are here, and this week, Quentin, we are the uh, wrestling genies. That's the plural for geniuses, I think. Um, Is it? And just like gen- yes, I believe like, so. I believe. Of it, like like genii. Yes, Gen I genus. Um, and, well, here's the thing. The reason why we're the genies is because normally it's just me and you, but genies, you get three wishes, right? Oh, okay. Well, this week you have the three wishes. The three wishes obviously aren't your choice. Your three wishes are me, Quentin, and our guest, the wrestling genius, Daniel Makabe. Dan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. I love how you shoehorned in three genies, even though I'm pretty sure it is genie. <laughs> probably is. <laughs> you just <laughs> you made that work. So yeah, three wishes, the three of us. Um, yeah, I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Uh, obviously, I uh, listened to your guys' show, and uh, you guys help keep me uh, relevant with matches I should watch in Japan. So uh, yeah, I'm stoked to be on it this week. Yeah, nice, nice. Um, so what we're doing this week is something that we were going to do <laughs> in the past. Um, last year we talked about it, um, and it's coming to fruition now. So I figure we'll keep with the theme with our uh, with our our friends in the uh, in the Slack chat that gets referenced on the podcast constantly in talking to wrestlers uh, about this year who uh, had their their career year last year uh, with uh, with Jamesy talking to. Uh, to David Starr and then us talking to Daniel Makabe, which is obviously I kid. Uh, I think I've been, th- I was, I've been thinking about that. Cause I talked about it with our top 50 and I think that like, yeah, obviously last year I had you as the wrestler of the year. There's no secret there. People know this, but I don't know that I a hundred percent could say for sure that you had like a better year last year, even if you had a better rating last year um, because you did, have matches all over the place but what we're going to do here is kind of steal something from rob naylor um and kind of hitting the high spots we're going to go through your year of 2019 basically match by match and uh and talk everything over um which is going to be exciting so i don't know i guess i'll let you guys have the floor quentin if you want anything you want to want to say before we get get into it uh dan if you want to say anything before we get into it feel free uh, one of my questions for Dan that I mentioned I mentioned having off air is before we begin like breaking down the entire thing, Dan, I want to know your thoughts. This has been a really big year for you. You've gone all over the place. Obviously, you're at Pacific Northwest home, but you've gone to the, you've gone to the Midwest. You've gone you've gone down south. You've gone to England. You've gone to Germany. Uh, wrestling wrestling a little bit more in Toronto than I think than I think usually have than I think you have in the past. So. How has how's that been adjusting and just like travel wise, having a little bit more on your plate than you had than you've had in the last few years or so of your career? Um, I'll I'll address Tim's point first, and then and then we'll follow up with that. I I think, um, I think 2018 is like because obviously it wasn't my you know my rookie year, but but if I were like a like a pro athlete, it's like it's a really solid like rookie year that like kind of catches people off guard. Um, and then my 2019 was like maybe like a sophomore season where like technically like my numbers are better. Uh, but, but maybe because, you know, there's a lot more expectations um, based on my 2018, 2019 doesn't stand out as much. Um, but 
for me, t- 2019 is is by far, you know, my my biggest and and, and best year in wrestling. Um, I had um, like uh, like almost 75 percent more matches this year than I did last year. Um, and I and like Quentin mentioned, uh, did a lot more traveling. Um, yeah, I'd never I'd never wrestled in Ontario before. So never in in any other provinces within my own country, um, which I there's not a, a ton more of those I, I I really need to hit, but I would like to wrestle in Quebec and, and Alberta at some point, um, and 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 then Europe obviously too. Um, adjusting to travel, I, I, you know, it, it's been um, uh, it's it's been a little bit, but but you know I I'm outside of wrestling I'm someone who's done a lot of traveling in his life in general. Um, I've I've been uh, to Europe multiple times. Um, I've uh, traveled for like music festivals and stuff a bunch in my like early to mid twenties. Um, so I'm I'm a pretty good flyer uh, in general. Um, so a lot of it is just kind of getting uh, adjusting to, um, doing all the, the wears and tears of, of independent wrestling and then kind of adding the travel in that and, and remaining healthy, I guess, and, and comfortable. Cause that's not always the, the easiest thing, but, um, uh, honestly, um, I think I'm still so n- new to this kind of lifestyle that it's it still uh, it's, it's kind of exciting more than it is uh, a hindrance and uh, and I'm, I'm only you know more excited to what to what more I can do in the coming year and beyond uh, all right well I think we're all pretty excited to see uh, see what happens in the coming year and beyond as we, as we kind of mentioned um, just had an insane year really I mean Looking through, your summer was like nuts. Like really, you had some big, big stuff, especially in August. Um, just an insane month. But uh, start out the year. I'll say start out the year a little slow, and maybe that's part of what makes this year feel like it was to me, like you said, like a sophomore year, or sophomore album, like that that sophomore slump, as people say, um, which is wrong. Like when you really look at the big picture, it actually wasn't like that. But I think that because the beginning of the year felt like a, a kind of a slow start for you, um, not even just the matches, but also like the time that it took for some of them to come out, I think hurt. So like, you know, we get into it. The first your first match of the year in January is uh, a matchup that you've had many times. In fact, I think maybe your first matchup was against this guy. Um, and it's their first match of the year against the big the big cat, Scott Henson. Um, at three to one battle, the battalion job. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, I'm not gonna say it's disappointing, but I thought that you guys had a much better match in 2018. Um, earlier in the year, same thing in three to one battle, and this one, I won't say it was bad, but it felt like start out the match with some crowd brawling. You know, maybe I don't want to say anything. Like I don't want to, you know, decide I know, but didn't really feel like uh, like. You guys were really maybe giving it your all. What 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 kind of was going on in this matchup here? Um, you are quite right. We uh we did have our debut matches against one another back in November of two thousand and three. Um, we got trained at the same time. I've I've known Scott for more than half my life at this point. So, um, 
Uh, and yeah, we do. It's probably the person I've, I've wrestled more than than anyone else in, in my life. And, and we have kind of built a history of uh, of wrestling each other at least once a year in three to one battle. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, last year's match uh, at the beginning of 2018 was one that got a little bit of uh, discussion from people like more than I ever would have expected. Um, but, um, this one had some, um, I thought it had some, like, uh, some interesting, like little turns and twists that we, that we threw in there. Maybe some things that were like a little too cute for their own good. So, so like it's built on, uh, you know, legitimately in, uh, the summer of 2018, Scott broke his arm, uh, in a, uh, eight man tag that we were on, uh, opposing ends of. Um, and, um, he was off for the good chunk of, of the back half of 2018. And he had just kind of come back, um, within the last month or two prior to this match. And so we kind of built off the fact, um, that there was some history with him coming back from a broken arm. Um, and then, you know, we end up with, um, you know, me kind of going to the arm that he would, uh, you know, normally finish with his lariat and doing kind of a kind of a cute thing where there's a struggle over the knee pad. And then he puts my knee pad on his arm so that he can, you know, successfully, you know, hit me with the lariat and blah, 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 blah. And, and he wins with that. So um, I, I don't know if it, I, I don't think it wasn't us giving our all, but but, uh, you know, maybe we just didn't have a, as interesting of an approach um, to previous matches that we've had. Um uh, I I do remember um, that uh, like the beginning spot is like me. Uh, I think I'm like I jump him and and I'm running down the apron and he catches me and he gives me. It's the old um, Kagatora used to finish with it. Like it starts like a fireman's carry and then he shoots the guy over to the other side almost into like a an emerald frozen. Yeah. Um, and uh, he gave me that onto an open chair in the entrance way which is probably the biggest bump I took in all of 2019, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Um, and uh, and that was fine. Like, it looked gnarly. It kind of looked like when Homer lands on the fire hydrant uh, in the episode of The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but the thing that hurt the absolute most in that, in that match is he gives me the lariat, and then he kind of goes to sit down and pin me, kind of like Naito pins people, which, like, every indie wrestler... Uh, in the world does now for their big falsies where they kind of hook the one leg and sit back on the guy. Um, and he, as he hooked my leg and sat down, he sat in like directly on my face and that sucks so much. And afterwards I have like, everything was fine except you sat right on my face for the finish. But, um, <laughs> so yeah, that, those are my prevailing memories of that match. So Emerald frozen on the on the chair, not as bad as Scott Henson sitting on your face. So keep correct. that in mind, ladies. One hundred percent, that is correct. Yeah. So all these you know furries online who like to get hot and heavy for the big cat, just keep in mind that having him sit on your face is not pleasant. Um, he's got he's got quite the following, and like we legitimately have people who come in the full on fur costumes two three two one shows now just to cheer him on, like. <laughs> There's been times where, like, I'm just I'll walk into the room just to, like take a casual glance to see like what kind of house we have, and it's like, oh, there's three guys in full-on mascot costumes <laughs> standing in the corner. Uh, it's number, a, number, it's, number, see, then what you have to do now is that 
the, the next time you wrestle Scott, you have to just ruin his costume and get the most insane heat possible. But you, I guess you can't do that now because you turn face. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, that's true. No, I'm, I'm, I'm. Here's the thing. I'm kind of a perennial tweener. Well, like we'll get that out of the way. In in three, two, one, I, I'm. I'm still very much like if we had to do like a very down the middle breakdown of heels and faces, I fall on the heel side of the roster, but I, and maybe I don't want to like feel like I'm just blowing smoke up my own ass, but um, I think I get kind of a mixed reaction because there's the people who do legitimately um, dis- dislike me and and they know to, to boo me and there's still people who really hate my theme music and, and that kind of puts them in a headspace of man, I hate this song, man, I hate this guy which is great because that was one of the reasons that I, I chose that song as, as theme music. Cause I, I figured that would, you know, hopefully put people in that headspace. But, um, but then there's the people, um, well, there's twofold one. There's the people who respect my ability, um, just straight up. And, and so they want to, you know, cheer for me. Um, and then two, three, two, one is kind of like no other, um, promotion that I've seen in that the sides of the room are actually divided um, into the babyface section and the heel section. And when you buy tickets on our website, like to go to the show, you choose which side of the room you want to sit on, whether you want to sit in the, the heel side or the babyface side. And in theory, whatever side of the building you sit on is like you're a, you're a bad guy supporter or you support the good guys. And there's supposed to be kind of this even split in the room, which is – uh, makes for kind of an interesting dynamic and it doesn't always fall that way, but when I enter almost always I'll get all my applause will come from the heel section and all of the booze you hear are coming from the baby face section for sure. Okay. So it's like technical and Rudo in the room even. Correct. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I, and I, you mentioned the theme song and one thing that I think, uh, should be mentioned when you talk about that is like, part of it too, is that your, your theme before, let's say before you were a bad guy, uh, yeah. was very popular. The crowd really liked it. The crowd so I think loved, that switched... loved the theme before. And when I switched to yeah. a heel, I specifically wanted something that was as far away as possible from the previous theme, which was yeah. Teenage Kicks by, by the undertones. So, yeah. So that, that's part of it too, that probably upsets the crowd is that you're, you know. They used to love your your song so much, and now there, they, it's they it's been song. over it's been over two years, and there are still people who come up to me asking for me to bring back the undertone. <laughs> so okay, so second match of the year, three to one battle again, the battle rumble. You're in the match for maybe a minute. Um, I honestly, I said it before we even started recording. I don't even remember you in the match. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> any thoughts? Anything, Quentin? You got anything, Dan? Anything? No, I think if like no, I don't think Dan. I actually have a couple quick quick things. Oh, okay, all right, here we go. Okay. There's, there's there's a couple anecdotes. One, uh, I got in a car accident on the way to this show. Oh um, shit! And that was a massive pain in the ass uh, because I like basically like dented it in the entire front end of my car, um, and I was still like. Uh, probably 80 miles out of Seattle and had to drive the, the remainder of the way with my, my front end caved in. Um, two, um, uh, I, I, w- I went back and watched this recently and I actually thought it was really funny. So, so the, kind of the, the backstory is um, this, this Battle Rumble was the return of Eddie Van Glam, uh, who was a popular babyface in 3-2-1 Battle, who had been gone for quite some time. He had torn his ACL the previous year. Um, and so he was a surprise number 30 in the match. 
and so really what what it came down to is I was number 29 the ru- the ring was filled with you know people who were all worn down and beat up and had been in the match for a while and so I come in at 29 fresh as a daisy uh, I actually like cut a promo on the way to the ring just to eat up more time so I could like I didn't even take off my jacket in this match that's how little I did in this match um I cut a promo about uh, a band that Timothy should be well familiar with cursive because they were playing in Ooh. Seattle that same night. And so I made a joke about how I would rather be seeing cursive than wasting my talents on the three to one battle fans. Uh, and I also took a shot at Steve Miggs, who at the time was commissioner. And for those uh, unaware is, is like legitimately, he is the morning t- uh, like radio DJ in like Se- the biggest rock station in Seattle. Um, and decided in his 40s he wanted to also be a pro wrestler. Um, and so I, I made a, a dig at him that he had probably never heard of Cursive because they never had a record that was produced by Butch Vig, who famously produced Nirvana's Nevermind. Um, and uh, and then I get in the ring, and I start going to town only for Eddie Van Glam to make his surprise entrance at number 30 and immediately dump me out, which got a massive reaction and, and kind of led to where uh, we start February off. So there you go. Yeah. There actually is there actually is a bunch of stuff to talk about for my 92nd appearance in a Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah, which I didn't even think about that, but it sets up then your next your next three to one battle match, which is actually pretty good. But we'll get there in a moment after we talk about your first match in February. You've got a uh, the first of maybe two or more yard boy backyard boy scramble matches that you have this year, um, which it's, is an it's, interesting it's, thing. It's one it's one of two. Yes. Okay. Which is an interesting thing that comes up in, in 2019 with how popular kind of the resurgence of, of a certain era of backyard wrestlers happened in 2019. And, and you were definitely a part of that. We talked about your first match with Scott. I mean, there's plenty of footage of you and, and Scott out there. If people want to check out doing some you know backyard wrestling uh, with a former backyard wrestling legend, y- Yakuza J. Can't get, can't get away without mentioning him. Um, but yeah, you've got you... You've got someone who I think is underrated wrestler of 2019 who unfortunately retired midway through Craig Mitchell. Um, perennially underrated wrestlers, brothers in arrow form, Lewis Linden, Flip Kendrick, guys who just don't get talked about. Ricky Shane Page, yeah, you could take him or leave him. I heard he's a nice guy. Um, and uh, Alex Zane, <laughs> who made my top 50 this year. Um, so, yeah, really fun match. I thought that you your role in here was was really good, but what's it like getting together with the guys who you've known for so long? Maybe you haven't met in person or wrestled against even, but you've known at least tangentially for so long and you're all together putting together something like this with so many moving parts. Um it was it was a ton of fun. It was like it was kind of like the olden days. Um it's funny uh, someone asked me recently like none of us um there had never been a show where all six of us had ever been there at um, kind of one point. And Craig was actually kind of from a different era of, of backyarding because he's a little bit younger than the rest of us. Um, but, um, yeah, it was it was a blast. Um, I think – I don't even remember who it was. But I, I know I got there early because I, I flew in earlier that day. But some of the people didn't show up until like almost it was time for doors. So we had to put that thing, that whole thing together in the back because by the time uh, everyone was there, 
um, like the doors were open and we were the first match on the show, I'm pretty sure. So we threw it together pretty quickly. Um, I went back and rewatched this one recently and, and I'm really happy with, with how it held up. Um, I definitely do play, uh, you know, a very specific role. Like I'm definitely kind of an anchor. I'm not, um, you know, it was kind of the Alex Zane um, um, show to try and kind of help get him over. And it, it worked, but it was before he really had his big breakout later in the year. Um, it was also a bit of a showcase for Craig because obviously freelance is, is his home. So, um, but it, it was just a ton of fun. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm upon rewatch. I was happy with it. And I just remember it just being such a fun evening. Um, as far as uh, I do, 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 I had worked in some way or shape or form with all of those guys previously. Uh, most famous, not famously, but um, significantly, I guess, the first time I ever traveled uh, abroad for backyard wrestling uh, was for a big. Uh, show in 2004 and I had a one-on-one match with Lewis London so um, and I hadn't seen him in probably 10 years so uh, it was a blast like specifically I wanted to do a little bit of wrestling with him and and so I'm glad we got to do that so and honestly I'd love to have a a singles match with him but he's not retired but he he's pretty uh, seldomly booked Um, right I think kind of due to his own choice he's got a busy personal life so yeah, outside of his little area, he's not getting bookings all over the place, and, and you're not in his area. Which is funny, because you said travel abroad, and I'm looking at the list, and I'm like, who would he have wrestled in another country? And then I forget that you're not American. So abroad yeah. would still mean America? And I yeah, was like, we, oh, we, okay, yeah. We, we wrestled in, like, rural Cleveland. That's where we wrestled for the first time, so. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's funny to think of Cleveland as abroad, but, uh, um... I want to let Quentin kind of say anything. I don't want you to just feel like you're in the back seat here, but I do want to ask because you're in the building, you open the show, obviously. So the rest of the night, you're able to just watch the show if you want. You're in the building for the big Kaylee Ray win in the main event. Do you have any memories of that at all? Uh, yeah. I mean, that place came unglued. I actually, I'm trying to remember where I watched that from because the there's like a balcony in that building you can watch from. But I think I may have been watching it from the merch merch stand, and uh, and that building was like was ready for for that. And I can't remember if her going to AEW had been announced yet or not. But I don't think it would have been. No. No. But but I but I knew about it. Uh, I and I maybe found out about it earlier that day. And so um, yeah, it definitely felt like being like you know, in the stands for the big homecoming win or, you know, something along those lines. Right. It was, it was awesome. It was also my first time meeting her and she's like a super nice person. And I specifically remember her complimenting me on my, um, like my Jericho spike, like the top rope Rana. Um, and then people (laughs) being like, yeah, that's like not his style at all. It's just, he had to throw some shit in there because he was in a scramble. So so, but yeah, um, yeah, that was, that was a cool, cool night for sure. A really fun night. Yeah. Quentin, do you have any, uh, anything you want to say or ask about or anything? I mean, now that you, 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 you kind of stole my thunder here is that you brought up Kylie <laughs> Ray here. And Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's a little bit cool, but like when, when we get the later portions of uh, your match schedule in 2019, you have some you have some inter you have some intergender matches and that's not something that you're 
totally unfamiliar with. You wrestled Cap, wrestled Cap Power last year, and all and all this stuff. Wrestling B- B- um, Bambi and Liza Hall, and all and all this stuff. And I was thinking, is more intergender wrestling something that you want to explore in 2020? You know, off the top of my head, people that I would be interested in seeing you wrestle: Denny Luna, uh, Kylie Ray. Obviously, she has a re- she she has a really good background on the mat. Layla Layla Hirsch. Mercedes Martinez, off the top of my head. So was intergender wrestling in 2020 something that you kind of had zeroed in? Yeah, so it's funny. I, I uh, My first intergender match ever was in March of 2018. Um, and I had a bunch of intergender matches in, in 2018. I had you know the series with Cat Power, two matches with her, two matches with Bambi. I had a match with Shotzi Blackheart that I was really yeah. happy with. Um and yeah, I, I I do like intergender wrestling. And then somehow in 2019, like I don't think I have an intergender match until like August maybe. Um, and then yeah, then not a ton of them. Like only maybe three or four all year. So um, I would um, absolutely want to have um, more uh, intergender matches in 2020. And, you know, like there's a lot of really good uh, female wrestlers here in the Northwest. Um, and I've wrestled kind of most of them. The only one who uh, is kind of the the outlier at this point is Nicole Matthews, who I still haven't wrestled. Oh, that's uh, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're uh, there. There is a promoter in the area who I've specifically put the bug in his head that you have to book that match at some point in 2020. I think it's going to happen. So um, another name who is West Coast, who I think I'd have a pretty good match with, is Nicole Savoy, um, who yeah. um, who can do a lot when it comes to uh, mat wrestling. And I actually saw her and Nicole Matthews have a really cool match in Toronto uh, later the, the, this past year. So, oh. um, yeah, bring it on. If you want to book me, like, anywhere in the world and you specifically <laughs> wanted to, to put me in an intergender match against someone, um, yeah, that, that would be awesome. Yeah, Layla Hirsch would be awesome. Like now you yeah. mentioned, you mentioned her. Like I met her in in Germany, and I wasn't really all that familiar with her until I saw her work there. And uh, she had like an amazing match with Lefisto during the uh, Femme Fatales uh, tournament in in Germany. And and straight up, I'm I'm easily a foot taller than her, like maybe like 14 inches taller than her. And I think her quads are bigger than mine. Like she's <laughs> ridiculously jacked. Like that girl is so strong. It's not even funny. So I don't even know if you're talking about Hirsch or, or Lufisto there. Honestly, both of them. What? probably. Oh, I'm, ta- I'm taller than both of them. Yeah. And they probably have bigger, they both have bigger. Quads. They both have bigger quads than okay. your head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but you do technically have a, uh, intergender match, um, during WrestleMania weekend. Oh, yes, we'll I guess I, I do. I do. I do. You're quite right. Yeah, it's not a singles match, but we'll get into that when we get into it. Um, So next the next day <laughs> after this, we're barely getting into your second match in February here. Um, you, You're opening the show again, um, but this time against someone who I don't know how familiar you are with, but another guy, maybe not a backyarder, but definitely has his uh, his roots in in getting into wrestling, like deathmatch style wrestling. He's been around wrestling forever and Rory Gulak. Um, and this one, probably, I would say, your first great match of the year, but we'll get into it later in a match that I thought of at the time as your first great match of the year, just because of how long it took for this to come out. Um, Rory Gulak, this was, I mean, phenomenal. You guys, again, I don't know how familiar you are with each other personally. I, I would assume you've never wrestled each other before, 
but uh, felt like, yeah, like two guys who really knew each other loved the way that, and this is something that's very rare for you, um, getting bullied, loved the way that Rory was bullying you and the way that you were fighting from underneath. Um, what were your thoughts coming away from this match? This was another one that I, I recently rewatched. Um, and, uh, and, and I'm still um, quite happy with it. Um, I forgot like how hard of a pace we went at. Like, I think the match is only like nine or 10 minutes. Um, but I distinctly remember both of us being pretty tired after the fact. And I remember, riding back to Chicago after that show with some some of the guys and saying you know how tired we were and one of the guys is like oh well you guys like why were you tired like you didn't do a bunch of like rope running or a bunch of high spots it's like yeah no we did a bunch of wrestling like that's tiring too you know <laughs> like it's like yeah. oh yeah I guess so duh but um yeah because we just went at it like we didn't really let up at all um uh, fun fact, we weren't supposed to be the opener on this show. Something else was, uh, but a couple people, um, a carload from New York got there late. And so they were reshifting things and we basically volunteered to be the opener because we, um, we basically just, we put together a, a handful of spots and then they said, let's go out there and wrestle and let's just kind of work to the spots that we know we have and kind of tell, tell the story that it, it's kind of the obvious story there to tell. And, uh, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I had never met Rory before. Um, I met Drew Gulak once at a PWG show and talked to him about how much we both love Disneyland. Um, and was he and that working was, on the show? Was yeah, he wrestling was, on the show? You oh, okay. were probably there too, but we had never met yet. It was at yeah. PWG Lemmy, and it oh, was yeah. when he yep. had that kick ass match with Tim Thatcher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, like, b- before, uh, like, um, a couple of us, uh, three, two, one guys, like me, Scott, uh, Caden Talbane, um, a couple other guys, we would occasionally, like, once or twice a year, we'd go down to PWG shows and then go to, like, Disneyland or Universal Studios, like, for vacation. So, we went to BOLA in 2016. Uh, together and then that Lemmy show would have been January 2016, I think. Um, but yeah, so we BS'd with uh, with Drew Gulak about Disneyland, and then we went to Disneyland the next day. So, um, <laughs> but anyways, besides that, I'd never met Rory. I uh, did not know what to expect. Um, he uh, it, like it's weird. We've kind of like become good friends, and I would not expect uh, to have done so uh, because like full admission, and I don't think he would be upset with me saying this he is way broier than i expected him to be uh and uh but yeah we have kind of a cool understanding so uh he kind of looks out for me and vice versa and and i appreciate that and uh and we were both really happy with this match so well well, one thing one thing to take note of here is dan i feel like this, this is a compliment by the way but a lot of us in the slack have dubbed you as the best nerd bait wrestler in the world Meaning yeah, that you know, you know, nerd, no nerds like me and Timothy and Brock and everybody are gonna like love the stuff that you do because it kind of appeals directly to our sensibilities and, a lot, and the sensibilities of, of a lot of other people that will watch, will watch her wrestling. And you know, here in this match, you play directly into my heart and you just go for a one-legged bridge on the counter mutilation. <laughs> it was like, yeah, that like that that was one that really, really stuck stuck with me, and I, I enjoyed you doing that. 
and, and that's kind of admittedly like I have, you know, like like every wrestler has some, you know, tricks in their in their toolbox. Right. And and that's one that I'll throw out when it, uh, the uh, situation sees fit. Yeah. But something I did in that match that I don't recall of doing another time is I hit Rory with the drop kick in the corner, um, which, you know, is a regular move of mine. And then I come up selling the foot like I'd heard it on the drop kick from hitting him so hard. Right, okay. And I don't think I'd ever seen anyone do that before. And it's just something uh, that I came up with because I figured it played into the finish of him going for the ankle lock. Um, and then it obviously, you know, played into uh, that little extended bit of selling when I went for the cow mutilation and and uh, and not being able to, to do it uh, correctly. So, um, but yeah, no, I know that you guys love that kind of stuff. And I, and I do it because I love that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, and totally that, those, those are the kind of little details that I appreciate uh, in in matches. And so I, I want to have the kind of matches that I would like want to watch. And so uh, that's why I threw that in there. But I do appreciate when people like you guys pick up on it. So, well, One, one, one thing before we move on is you mentioned your dropkick. And I've always wanted to ask this, ask this, and I could have asked this like several times at any point in the time that like we've been fr- we've been friendly with each other. But I don't know how familiar you are with Dragon Gate, so this might just be be me taking a stab in the dark here. But is your corner dropkick at all influenced by the way Yamato does it? No. I'm okay. Trying think, I'm trying to envision how he does it. Um, no. I. You know what? Uh, uh, I used to be a big Toriumon and Dragon Gate guy in like the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, but admittedly, I watch maybe like three matches a year uh, now. Right. Um, and... Um, so I couldn't even tell you the last Yamato match I watched. Maybe, maybe there was a big match on a Kobe World I watched a couple years ago. But it was probably, um, probably probably Shingo. Yeah, that sounds right. I was thinking BXB Hulk, but maybe it was Shingo. But um, and did he did he have when Dragon Gate USA was a thing? Um, I was thinking there was like a big match of his I watched then too. But anyways, that's off topic. Um the dropkick is definitely a Brian Danielson nod and, okay. and a bit of a bit of a um Masakatsu Funaki nod as well. Because he would throw those in yeah. UWF and they were like completely out of out of nowhere. But <laughs> um but yeah. I, I think what the hell, you can throw a dropkick in a shoot. Like you're probably like Ikihisa Minowa used to do it all the time. It's usually not successful, but um but yeah so not so much but uh but yeah very much uh, uh a nod to danielson who uh is the greatest of all time so yes. <laughs> just have to throw yeah. that out there over the past couple of years i have 100 percent accepted that that is the truth i think everyone on this on this call agrees with that um yeah. and and to pull back the curtain me and 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 daniel have uh have talked about that drop kick before and I'll give uh, Quentin a little bit of a nod there for for doing the Yamato because I asked uh, Dan if um, if it was Austin Aries if he was doing the IED. Um, oh, okay. Which, uh, because to me the the way that it looks it just reminds me of Aries, which is funny because Aries is so small compared to Dan, but the way that you guys both throw the dropkick comes across the same like very similarly to me at least. It's the same. It's the same with Yamato. It's just like a real. Just gnarly, dangerous looking yeah. one, like the, like the intent to kill. So like that, that's why right. like Yamato like went straight went straight to my head. But Daniel said, well, yeah. it, 
and it comes from a weird angle. That's the thing. Like it, it comes out of nowhere and from a weird angle. I really, I do love it. I love your corner drop kick. It's great. Um, but a match where I don't think you throw a, a, a corner drop kick at all is your next match in February against Eddie Van Glam, which I think uh, maybe for other people would be your first great match in three to one battle of the year. Um, at the time, I don't remember seeing it as, um, but it was very good, and it was set up with a little background in uh, in the three to one battle. Uh, rumble that you mentioned earlier um crowd loved it and worked really well and honestly really good matchup but uh, at the time i don't remember appreciating it as much because maybe i was in the middle of a of a heated twitter feud with uh, with eddie van glam i don't remember um but uh but yeah i do i do remember the match dan coming out of the match what or what did you think do you have any notes on that one i don't think your twitter feud was for another couple months so don't don't worry about that um okay um, yeah, I like that match. Uh, Eddie Van Glam and I have known each other for quite some time. Um, we had been, r- we teamed together a couple times a few years back. Um, 3 2 1 did like a random Battle Bowl style where there was like teams thrown together, quote unquote, at random. And so we got put together as a team in, in that and had a couple matches together. Um, but this is the first time that we had ever faced each other in a singles match. And, uh, and like full admission, it, it, I, I asked for this match because he was coming back from the from the ACL surgery and this was going to be his first singles match. And uh, I thought it'd be um, just a nice little story uh, of him kind of coming back and me kind of trying to test him, you know, see if he really was ready to come back. Um, and and like full full admission just to actually kind of truly test him, you know, and, and see um if he had improved and, and he is someone who is who has uh it's also improved a lot in three to one over over the years and has taken his craft a lot more serious um he's still very much a gimmick guy but um but he's improved his in-ring a lot and has learned a lot of new techniques in the last year year and or two um and so uh, i appreciate that that he you know he wants to grow and 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 be more well-rounded so um, I recently went back and rewatched this match as well, and, uh, and and I liked it. Yeah, I thought we did some cool stuff. Um, I almost blew the finish, actually, full admission. Uh, but um, but uh, no, it was cool, and I and I think I remember Quentin saying he liked it as well. Which um, I, I yeah, I didn't expect um, someone to kind of pick up on um, on that match, but um, but I yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I was happy with it for sure. Quentin, do you have any uh, anything to say about this one? Well, yeah, for me, the, uh, for me, this is the first great damn match of the year, and I mean, it, it gets it's like working backwards. I didn't get to I didn't get to see this at the time uh, live. Like I don't get to see a lot of three, two, one stuff live. Obviously, being in a different time zone and everything. So going so going back and watching it and seeing what happened in the year, like oh, that's the first great damn match. I first date great damn match of the year, but I think the uh, Admittedly, but like once we get to April, is when I was able to first see get to see some more, and then start to circle back. But this was really really awesome, and I think you know working working a guy that hadn't worked a real, hadn't worked a real match in such a in such a long time that was about as good as it can get. Yeah, and I'll give a shout out for people who maybe haven't seen a lot of Eddie and Glam. Honestly, you would think I would say this is his match of the year, but go check out that Effie match, and it's probably Eddie Van Glam's best match that I've ever seen him have, and I thought it was fantastic. So go check out yeah, that Effie match. The, the Effie match was really good, and, and being in the room for the Effie match was like like a sight to behold. Like that, 
they had that crowd in like the palm of their hands and and had maybe like the weirdest craziest high spot I've ever I've seen on an indie wrestling show in in quite some time in you know in this kind of modern uh climate of you know GCW and you know doors and all sorts of random crap uh yeah, check that one out for a uh, a choke slam off the apron to the floor into a kiddie Oof. pool filled with jello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some nutty stuff there. This next match, I rem- I actually remember you asking me about it because this is against a guy who I was familiar with at the time, but I wasn't familiar with what he was doing at the time. And I remember you asking me, what do you think about this guy? Like what, you know, whatever, like, you know, because you weren't familiar with him. And I kind of gave you my thoughts on him but this was early in his rebranding that now at the end of 2019 might be like the next breakout star level kind of guy i think that it's definitely bubbling up where he's a guy that people need to be paying attention to you face alexander hammerstone hammerstone in without a cause this is even an early for without a cause show where like they hadn't even without a cause hadn't really gotten its feet underneath itself for what the promotion was Hammerstone. The, 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 was, this isn't the, this isn't their first show. Right? I think their first show was in January 2019. Because I think yeah. okay. Yeah, this, yeah, it's not their this, first show, but it, this ahead. is their second. Uh, no, it's either third or fourth show. Okay. The first show was October of 2018. Um, so they had uh, yeah shows in October and November of 2018. Maybe a show in January of 2019. This is the first show that they used me on, and most of that early footage didn't like really see the light of day but it had some there were some interesting matches on those first shows there was an Effie versus Pitfall Jones match on the second show there was a um uh Fred Yehai versus Eddie Osborne match on the second show um I'm trying to remember what else but yeah they booked a couple interesting things but this is the first time that they used me sorry to cut you off but no, 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 please. And yeah, like it wasn't their first show, but it was before Without a Cause had what is now it's like signature look where I think that you watch a Without a Cause show now in the past past few shows and they have their look that is them. It is 100 percent. You know that it's a Without a Cause show. This is before that. This is again, Hammerstone, I think, was just starting to really come into his own with kind of his character, his his, you know, uh, Fight Club esque inspired character on top of like the in ring style that he's working. I think he's honestly bulked up a bit because I knew him in in PCW Ultra working as a like a super junior heavyweight. He was like yeah. they even did a gimmick where he was like sometimes he couldn't defend his title because he was overweight, like the Matt Hardy gimmick, um, because of how how muscly he was. But he was still definitely a junior. Now at this point here, he is 100% a heavyweight. He's going up against you. There's all of that, and then on top of all of that being kind of weird, here's another like little weird thing. Dan, what the fuck is this gear? You're wearing like this weird Xbox like uh, bright neon thing that I've never seen you wear before. Like, uh, what what was this? This 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 match feels like it's like just everything is just not what you would expect. If you look back on it, it feels like this is from another planet. What's going on here? So this uh, there, there's a few talking points of this match. Um, one. Uh, yeah, you're quite right. This is right around the start of him doing the um, um, kind of the nod to Fight Club gimmick. Um, I was going to say this was the first time for something, but it's actually the second time that um, something that would become, um, I don't know if it's much of a talking point, but it's a, a trend uh, when it comes to me in 2019, which is 
the series of promos that I've done that I know Timothy is a fan of, um, where I, I, I exclusively uh, play guitar. I don't actually say anything. And the promo itself is, is cut via subtitles. So the first one was on um, uh, for Rory Gulak. And, and truly, it was just me making, making a bunch of feedback and noise. There was no real narrative to the promo. Um, but the Hammerstone one is kind of where I developed the style of taking, um, you know, um, specific pieces of music and whether they're referential to um, the city where the match is taking place or something to do with, with the wrestler themselves or, or whatnot. So, um, like for the Hammerstone... Um, I specifically reference, um, you know, the song Where Is My Mind by the Pixies, um, which is, of course, played during like the, the climax of, of Fight Club with all of the buildings exploding and whatever. That's kind of over the, the last scene and the end credits. Right. Spoilers. If you haven't seen Fight Club, it's 20 years old at this <laughs> point. Um, and so so that's kind of uh, the birth of, of that style of promo that that I continue to do uh uh, to this day, spoilers, I'm filming one tomorrow. Um, but, um, yeah, as far as, uh, so the, the shirt is just, a, it's a soccer jersey, just like like all the soccer jerseys uh, that I wear. But it is specifically, it's a, a Seattle Sounders jersey, which I normally would never wear because they are the hated rivals of my beloved Vancouver Whitecaps. But um, I wore it specifically, uh, and I'll, I'll give full admission that this was kind of another kind of behind the scenes narrative of 2019. When Without a Cause reached out to me about wanting to use me, they specifically wanted me as a babyface. And they specifically said, We want 2017 Teenage Kicks Daniel Makabe. And I said, I don't really want to be that guy anymore. <laughs> um, and so uh, I, you know, tried to um, kind of uh, rebrand myself a little bit. I, I have a, a theme that I literally just use in Without a Cause because I knew I couldn't get away with using my regular theme elsewhere because it would not work as a babyface. Um, and me wearing the Sounders jersey, and of course the Sounders uh, at the time, uh, they're not anymore, but they were sponsored by Xbox, because Xbox is obviously Microsoft, which is Seattle, blah, 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 blah. Paul Allen is a is the majority uh, owner for a lot of Seattle sports teams as well. So, um, And so, um, or was, he passed away, I think, right? Yeah. Anyways, yes, okay. Um, but anyways, so, um, so that's what's up with the jersey. Um, you will, you will never see me wear that Jersey unless I'm trying to get cheap heat, uh, or cheap pop, I guess, in this, this, uh, instance, um, because I specifically w- was not really, uh, uh, full admission. Like I was not on board for this because I figured Hammerstone's a fly-in, a fly-in is, is typically going to get a better reaction than a local guy. Hammerstone's a big jacked, impressive looking dude. People want to cheer for big, jacked, impressive-looking dudes, um, and and the majority of people who would be familiar with me in that area, uh, you know, without a cause, runs in Everett, Washington, which is about thirty miles north of Seattle, uh, were used to me being, you know, the heel three-two-one battle solid steel champion for the last year. You know, we're we're talking, we're only you know three months removed from me losing the belt to Bambi Hall. Um, 
after having it for the better part of 2018, right? So, um, so it's me just trying to kind of stack the deck and so I don't get completely blown out of the water. Um, the match is it, it's okay. Uh, it's pretty good. Um, Hammerstone's another guy that I didn't expect to really get along with. I figured we'd be kind of like oil and water, but um, he's also been really, really nice and supportive. He was really impressed with my promo that I cut on him and and how unique it was. Um, and and vice versa, you know, he's someone who's done so much for himself in, in 2019. And I'm I'm excited for him to to see where things kind of take him in the future. But um, but yeah, I, I think we'd have a much better match now, especially now that I'm so much more established to that without a cause audience. Um, and I can kind of explain when we get to it where the turning point really felt like it came to where me and that audience kind of became simpatico, and and now I, I'm probably the the number two babyface in in that promotion. But at, at the time, that was most definitely not the case. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And at the time, like I said, he was I I was familiar with him. I had seen plenty of Hammerstone, um, you know, single H, as we called him <laughs> early on when he had the long hair. Um, <laughs> but uh, but like he came out this year and just like I said, right now, he's poised to be a breakout star of 2020, I think, especially on the indies, especially in America, you know, and, and people can argue that it's just it's a lack of talent or whatever people want to say. But like. He's good at what he's doing, and he's putting together a personality. He's standing out. He's a guy who, to me, came across pretty bland early on, and now I feel like has definitely has a personality. He, you know, towards the end, he messes up his finisher here, and and it plays to the idea that this was a, a fight, and this was a tough fight for him because he's not used to going up against guys your size because primarily Hammerstone's the big guy in a match. So I really liked that with you guys bringing the fight to each other here. This was This was a tough match, and it really is part of what by the end of 2019 makes Hammerstone a guy who, like I said, stands out because he felt like he, he really scratched and clawed and worked his way up the ladder, including early in the, in the year facing off against you. Um, next match. This is the match that I considered the first great. Okay. Dan is back on track for what he did last year. He's doing it again this year in three to one battle against Alan Jepson at the time. He's uncle muscle. Now he's the big hurt. Um, and I just felt like this was the epitome of, of what I loved about Daniel Maccabe in 2018, which is going up against a guy who's a guy that you just see on three to one battle shows all the time. And Dan is able to bring out the best in, in his opponent. And that's not to say that like, you know, you carried him to use a term that I shouldn't even say out loud. Um, but that is to say that you're able to kind of help someone show the best of what they can do. So that was kind of my, my takeaway here. And I know that you and Alan are good friends. Um, and I know that you definitely would not say that, like, you know, you carried him. And, and it's not true because after this, he continues to have – he does have a setback. He has a bit of an injury in 2019. But then he comes back from the injury with a new gimmick revamped, and he's having a career year against everyone. So it's not that, like, yeah, like you, you know, made made him be able to do something he couldn't do on his own. But you definitely were able to accentuate it and, and, and show it off. What were your kind of thoughts on this match? Uh, yeah, it's – um. Uh, I, I, I kind of agree with you. This is the first one that really felt to me that like we, we hit it out of the park, pardon the, the baseball pun, because, uh, he, uh, I mean, even at the time he was doing baseball stuff, um, and now he's really going, uh, going to town with the baseball gimmick. And, uh, I, I don't think I know anyone who's a bigger baseball fan than, than Alan Jepsen, uh, like legit, the man has like 
250 baseball hats um, and like all sorts of like minor league teams and foreign country teams and, and everything. But um, so, yeah, we, we do a lot of fun little things like, you know, he counters the big unit punch by like hitting the ball out of the park. Like he bats my, my hand away. And then while I'm watching, you know, my fist in theory fly over the fence, he takes off only for me to turn around into, you know, the pounce, like the play at home, him running down the catcher, right? So, and, and we specifically got um, the announcer, Cody Von Whistler, at, th- at three to one to, when, when he hit the big unit punch out of the park, uh, so to speak, to make a reference to Dave Niehaus, who is the, the longtime voice of the Seattle Mariners throughout the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, who unfortunately, you know, passed away um, about a decade ago now. Um, but it is maybe the most legendary sportscaster in the history of, of Seattle. And uh, he's, you know, most famous for whenever someone would hit a, a home run, his his call would be my oh my. So we, we got uh, Cody to throw that in as we're both huge uh, Seattle Mariners guys. But um, uh, I, I love working with Al. We, we have known each other forever. Um, he's someone who, um, you know, is around my size. He's a little bit like wider and broader than I am, but, um, he can like muscle me up and, and I'll bump big for him and I'm happy to do so. And he gives me a, like a power bomb onto the knee, like, like the David star finish. Yes. And like, he literally like flips me completely over onto my stomach off of it. Like he just bounces me off the knee and it looks so brutal i actually if you go back and watch it in slow motion you can see as i come up from it i just mouth the word fuck because um, yeah i felt it i was like that had to look crazy and and it did look crazy so yeah it did. It uh, it's like brutal. a nine minute match but like it it's really fun and i, I also um specifically threw in a bunch of uh jonathan gresham references uh, in this match, including finishing him with an octopus hold, because it was after this match that I, I officially made the challenge and uh, and uh, and announced that my intention to wrestle Jonathan Gresham at Battle Mania, the biggest show of, of the year for three to one battle uh, the following month. So, yeah, which I was going to reference that post match promo there. And it's funny you you call that power bomb the the star thing, the knee power bomb. To me, when I saw it at the time, and I loved it. You know, who I think of is Brian Cage, you know, being a PWG guy. Um, and Brian Cage was doing that move before. Quentin, do you remember this match? What did you do? You have any takeaways? Anything? No, this, this, this is part of the initial big binge of catching up on damn three to one work. And I didn't like it as much as I liked the Eddie Van Glam match. But again, a guy where I don't watch three to, three to one as regularly, top to bottom, as much as you do, Timothy. So I'm not, I wasn't super familiar with Allen. But something I will say about him is that. You know, to be honest, like he's one of the better guys that I've seen Dan get in the ring with. That I feel like, I, like offer like a really good alternative to what to what Dan is doing, and it doesn't feel like Dan's like completely leading the way. It felt like Allen had a little pushback. I felt the same way about um the Cole Crazy match that that Dan that Dan had last year. That someone gave a little bit of pushback and a little bit of a a different feel to to the typical to the typical Dan um, approach that we usually get. So I really appreciated this match for that. Yeah. Next match, I haven't seen Caden Crazy, DOA Wrestling, DOA versus the World. It's on it's online. I just never got around to watching it. Um, Dan, do you have any thoughts? Do you remember anything coming out of this? Uh yeah, Kane Cassidy, sorry. Um I'm sorry, what did I say? I just said Caden. Caden Crazy, you, but it's fine because Quinn literally yeah, just, just cold, 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 yeah, cold, yeah. 
CISO, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all these guys with these CC, um, you know, uh, alliteration names. Actually, yeah. fun, E-C-C-W. fun story. Correct. Yes. Uh, <laughs> which um, this was the second time I'd wrestled Caden Cassidy. The first time was in 2017 in a tag match where maybe the most random tag match you will have ever heard of. It was me and um, Pacific Northwest stalwart Mike Santiago, most famous for his work in Defy now, I guess, teaming with Ethan HD. But uh, it was me and Mike Santiago versus the team of, of all C names, Caden Cassidy, teaming with <laughs> now New Japan Young Lion, Clark Connors. Oh, what the fuck? Okay. Yeah. Huh. In, no. in, in uh, um like Salem, Oregon, like random, random tag match that happened. So, so that was the first time I'd wrestled Caden super nice dude. who Who's really, um, he's been improving his craft as well, but ha- hasn't gotten out maybe as much a- as he'd like to, but he's kind of, um, like a, a mainstay on those DOA shows. 2019 is the first time I'd ever worked for DOA. This is my debut for DOA. Um, they run Sunday afternoon shows at, at, at a comedy club in downtown Portland. Um, and have really seen those crowds grow from, um, you know, like a, a good, respectable kind of fair weather crowd to, you know, the the last match we'll talk about me having in DOA in, in December, uh, where yeah. they're packing the place out and and kind of me kind of going along with them to, you know, at, at first and them really not knowing how to react to me, and now I've I've kind of become one of one of the top heels in, in the promotion, so. Yeah, and uh, after that, you face off with a guy. I know that I remember you being excited about this matchup, um, just posting about it online. Um, ends up being a really solid match, three to one battle um, against Jackie Lee. Um, and again, this is where I'm starting to see. I'm like, okay, we're we're putting it together, and and Dan is going to have that that breakout year again with these amazing performances. Another guy who I think that. It becomes this thing. I think that people think it's putting people down, and it's it's not. And I, I've heard Dylan, who's obviously a big fan of yours, Dylan Hales, former guest of this show, former guest of Psychology is Dead, talk about this, where it's it's not to say that the people you're going against aren't good, aren't great even, but it's to say that you are able to have their best matches with them. And Jackie Lee, this match right here is another major example of that where you're able to take someone who's very good and who can have good matches and you have their best possible match with them. And that's what you do again here with, with Jackie Lee. Any, any kind of thoughts coming out of this? Uh, yeah. Uh, one thing that I think, uh, is, is a story of 2019 that maybe not enough people are talking about, but you guys are really leading the charge is how good the young talent specifically in, in ECCW is, um, you know, obviously the strays, Elliot Tyler and Judas Icarus, uh, reloaded Jackie Lee and Sharif Morrow, Travis Williams. Um, and all these guys are starting to, to work a little bit more in Washington, um, and, and, and elsewhere. And, uh, and Jackie, you know, honestly, my, I, I made a list, uh, at the beginning of 2019, of kind of more indie names that I wanted to wrestle, but also a pile of local Pacific Northwest names that I, that I wanted to wrestle that I haven't wrestled yet. And I mean, that list basically consisted of all of the, the young, you know, ECCW kids who are all, um, Jackie's a little bit older. He looks like he's 12, but he's actually in his mid twenties, but all the rest of them are like 21 or younger. 
Um, and, uh, and so this is the one I kind of wanted the most and I was really happy with how it turned out. Uh, he's someone that I, I want to work more, more with. Um, unfortunately I was actually offered a rematch with him in ECCW later in the year that conflicted with, uh, a trip to England that we'll talk about later. So I, I unfortunately had to pass on it, which is a bummer because, uh, it was, uh, it was a big ECCW show and, and I unfortunately, uh, obviously had prior commitments. So, um, but I, I kind of wish that Jackie and I could work around the horn and, and kind of come up with like the new, kind of Dean Malenko, Rey Mysterio kind of matches. That's sort of how I see see us. He's not quite as spectacular as Rey, obviously, but but he's someone who um, does like a, an interesting kind of different take on, on high-flying wrestling uh, that I really like. And anyone who has been on a show with him in the Pacific Northwest that will tell you he's legitimately maybe the nicest human being. So, um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match. Do you, yeah. take, do you take pride in... Working with the younger guys in the P- in the PNW scene, you mentioned Jackie, the Strays, Travis Williams, Sharif Morrow. Is is that a, like you mentioned having like those guys as part of this list that of people you wanted to work with that were just local? Are you sort of taking pride in being that maybe vet, maybe like veteran hand that can bring a few eyes to the, to the stuff that they got going on because you did work Jackie, you worked you worked Icky, you worked Beat, you worked Beat Boy, you worked Travis. And you got to get you got to tangle up with all these guys. What what was the uh, what was the main motivation for that? Uh, it kind of goes both ways. Um, like I I just knew that they um, had a lot of of skill and a lot of like drive. They're all so driven and they want to be so good and they're constantly training and working dates you know like i saw um elliot tyler post about how many matches he had this year and you know with all the traveling that i've done all over the place he still had like 30 more matches than i did in 2019 and you know all these kids are are having those kind of numbers of matches you know they're they're working so hard in and trying to get as, as many places as they can so um so i knew that if i was given the opportunity i could have good matches with them and and honestly, uh, I have to really put it out to them um, for whatever the reason. You know, I, I didn't train or come up with ECCW. You know, I've been going to ECCW shows since I was um, 13 years old. But and that's crazy. That that indie's been around since 1996, by the way. The fact that they're still one, running one shows. Of, one of the most like prolific and long running indies that like the last few, the last like decade or so kind of gets lost in that. But like they're super instrumental to like everything independent wrestling really. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. They don't, they really don't get the credit they deserve, but like, um, like, you know, the fact that like they, they've put out some of the bigger, you know, uh, independent names that have come, come from the area too. Right. So, um, certainly, you know, the biggest names to ever come from the Northwest are probably Kyle O'Reilly and Phantasmo. And, and I guess, you know, maybe Artie is up there now too, or he's, he's growing to, to where he's going to be there, but they're all products of the ECW school. Right. So, um, but I didn't go to that school. And so, um, you know, I've kind of had a, a, a friendly relationship with ECCW, but they've never been that inclined to use me on their shows. And 2019, that started to change a little bit. And, and one of the reasons that changed is because all of the young kids at ECCW, uh, I think, I mean, uh, maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but uh, they, they kind of have a, an admiration and a respect for me. And we've become friends. And they all wanted to wrestle me. And so they've all been pushing really hard 
you know, for me to get more opportunities uh, in and around ECCW so that I could wrestle them. Um, and, and in turn, um, specifically, uh, you know, I, uh, 321 wanted to give me um, a win leading up to the Gresham match. Um, and I specifically chose my opponent. I said, give me Jackie Lee. He's someone who's a similar size to Gresham. And he's someone I know that I could have a really good match with. And, and thankfully, 3-2-1 obliged and they brought him in for this match. So, Yeah, and, and I'm thinking about that crew. I'm like, I, I really want them to have a, like a nickname for that crew of people because there's this, this cool little group. And, and one person that uh, overlooked there is uh, uh, Sharif as well. You've worked him as well. Another uh, Jackie Lee's partner in Reloaded, who's another young guy from the ECCW crew that's that's breaking out as well. Um, but that whole group of people, they're just so talented, and they do from the you know the people who I've I've talked to or seen them talk about you, they they definitely do have reverence for you, like you deserve. Um, another guy, he's not from that area, but at the time he, I don't know if anyone had really heard of him. They've seen him around a little bit here and there. He's he's posting some promos. You do one of your promos back to him. In Zach Cooper is your next match in uh in without a cause again without a cause is not quite hit there. This is what we are yet. You guys have a uh I think I know you have at least one more match. I don't know if you have a third match in the year, but uh, we have Zach Cooper here. Quentin, did you have any kind of thoughts on the on the first Zach Cooper match or even the overall kind of Zach Cooper versus Dan Oove? Overall, I really like the Zach Cooper and Dan pairing, honestly. And this wouldn't be a podcast with me and Timothy if I did mention this guy, but like it kind of remi- reminded me just like, like I think you're just, like I think like you and Zach Saber Jr. are really like are very close to each other as far as like just what you go for, what your aim, what your aims for are in wrestling, and how you execute these things better than pretty much anybody that tries that tries those styles. And just build wise, I think Zach Cooper and Ethan Page are very are very similar or zach cooper is very similar to like a early younger ethan page before he became a um became before he became a body guy trademark um so uh, watching this it kind of felt like watching those zach saber jr versus ethan page matches from a couple of years ago in evolve where you get where you do get a little bit of the technical wrestling side of it but it's a little bit more aggressive and nasty than i think a lot of dan matches typically um Typically, typically get with with other people, and obviously Zach, he is saying that they're hang, hanging with you for every strike for strike. But it kind of gave me a vibe from those matches from a couple of years ago. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I, I I think that's that's fair. I, I mean, before I had even heard of him, and they put the match together, everyone was calling him Baby Walter. Uh, behind his back and 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 a little bit to his face too and yeah and which was, was kind of what where i thought quentin was going there for a second but when he said page i'm like actually that's probably closer probably and, and he probably wrestles a little bit more like page than 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 walter truly you know there was a period where he was kind of leaning into the walter thing a little bit too much and people i know people specifically had to tell him to kind of back off and and stop with the walter oh, no no he, he he was he was doing the whole like ring conf pose with the with arms behind his back <laughs> i was like oh yeah <laughs> he, uh, he was so but yeah zach is someone who uh, i've gotten to know a little bit this year and i think has a lot of upward mobility um he's super athletic um and agile for his size he sometimes needs to rein himself in a little bit and i i'll tell him that to his face um you know that um sometimes he doesn't make the best decisions 
um, and and including in in our matches because in in each one of our matches we we only had two the one in March and the, and the one in July both in without a cause he takes ridiculous bumps on the floor in both matches one when I catch a kick and kind of flip him off the apron to the floor uh, and then in uh, the July match we kind of play off of that and I end up giving him a back body drop on the floor um, and both times like without a cause does not have a padding outside the ring at all it's, it's just like a hardwood almost like a like a like a parquet dance floor but um and so um but yeah i really like this match um this was like a nine minute sprint um and this is kind of when starting to get the ball rolling a little bit with with the baby face thing there um we have him like really putting um like a lot of heat on me and and we 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 hit each other pretty hard in this match. The sequel is is where like the fireworks really really come out. Um, uh, the one other little note that I have for this match was just a, an incredible nerdy thing that uh, I wanted to try and see if I can make it work. Um, so I'm working from underneath in this match as a babyface, and, and uh, uh, he's you know he's getting heat on me for you know the middle chunk, and the the, the two hope spots that I gave, you know, I specifically wanted in this match was me attempting a double arm suplex, but not actually getting it. And like him finding ways out of it each time. And then the, the comeback, uh, which, you know, a traditional pro wrestling comeback is, you know, a bunch of clotheslines, guys bumping around for you, blah, 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 whatever was me finally hitting the double arm suplex. And that was it. I just, I thought that was an interesting, take on the traditional kind of uh, um, tropes of a, of a baby faces hope spots and, and comeback. And I wanted to see if it would work if, you know, if the hopes were just this guy coming ever so close to finally getting that suplex and getting the bigger guy off of his feet and then finally giving the people the payoff for the comeback, will that get a reaction? And if I recall, it, it got a decent one. So, um, that was just me kind of experimenting with, uh, within the parameters of working as a baby face. So, and it, it worked. I don't remember it specifically thinking of it as the, the butterfly suplex as like the, the tease, but I do remember thinking of it as the, like you, like you said, getting him off his feet with a big throw. So it definitely worked. And, and it even worked for a dullard like me who didn't see the nuanced detail of it being that exact move. So Good stuff. Um, after this, we get into WrestleMania weekend, which was good. Your WrestleMania weekend was good. Was it as good as it should have been? Probably not. Um, and I think I just hear, I, I just heard the uh, something open there. Um, but we started out with what I think a lot of people would probably say is your match of the year. Um, a match that some people might have as their match of the year for the entire year. Um, as you start out the weekend, you start out WrestleMania weekend as the, really the first show of WrestleMania weekend, uh, WrestleMania week at this point, against Fred Yehi in Pizza Party Wrestling. Got to give a shout out to the, the sports entertainment shrinks um, putting together this wrestling show, basically, in their debut show against Fred Yehi. A guy who maybe you were familiar with from the backyard wrestling days, but I don't know if you ever did anything with him in there because he was in a separate, probably in a separate group from you guys. Um but really, I'll let you talk about this one. Unless Quentin has anything he wants to say, um, let you kind of give your thoughts on this match. No, man, I can go right ahead. Sorry, me, me or you, Quentin? Oh, you can go ahead, Dan. Okay. 
Uh, yeah, I may have just cracked a, a, a can of, uh, of a, a local kombucha. Uh, yes. As a bit of a nod to my man, Timothy, who uh, likes to uh, just have zero regard for the listenership and just crack his cans of whatever <laughs> in the middle of, of the podcast. So, Hell yeah. Um, yeah. And no. I used to brew kombucha, so thank you for Did that. Did you? Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a local uh, place in Bellingham, Washington, and, uh, and they're pretty readily available um in like gas stations in washington state and i will quite often enjoy them on my way to and from uh three to one battle uh, in seattle and i happened to grab one on my way home from seattle last night so uh nice. it's it's a blood orange kombucha and it's Ooh. delicious so um yeah this is um this is this is a big one i i think this is really what kicks kicks off um the rest of my year like there there are matches prior to this that that are good and that i'm very happy with but i think this is like my first kind of next level match of the year. Um, full admission, I had never watched this before today, um, which kind of plays into um, a recurring theme for 2019, um, which we can go into now or we can go into later. Of 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 me, you know. Normally, I'm I'm very much a student of of my own my own work. Um, I know a lot of people who don't like to watch their own matches back, um, but I think uh, it's really important to watch your own matches back. I think that's how we learn and how we grow and how we get better. And we learn what our, of our stuff looks good and what we should stop doing and where we need to improve and blah, 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 whatever. So, um, but for some reason, I, I've had a bit of men, a mental block this year with particular matches of mine where... Um, I think part of it is um, 2018 being such a breakout year for me and this kind of being the the first kind of match abroad that I have in 2019 uh, that's on such a large stage, WrestleMania weekend. And it's something that was almost universally praised by people both in the building and online after the fact, except for one dickhead who legitimately uh, tagged me in his, his long-winded tweet about how it wasn't a very good match from live in the building, but um, that's fine if you I'm don't sorry. think that match. That, I'm, that's fine if you think that match is not good, but don't tag me in it. Like, <laughs> Why do you tag you in it? Yeah, didn't tag Fred though either. So like, I don't like. Okay, cool. Pick on the guy who's not established, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so um, so yeah, I so many people ha- have told me how much they enjoyed this match, and I think I just didn't want to see it not live up to my own expectations for it. And so it wasn't until today when when we kind of set a time for when we were going to record this, it, it dawned on me, I, I really do need to watch this match. Um, and so it's the freshest one in my memory, because um, obviously I watched it only a few hours ago now. Um, and I, I'm really happy with it, to be, to be perfectly honest. I, I think the one thing where it suffers compared to some of my other high-end matches on the year is uh, a lack of a real specific focus in the narrative. Um, but one place where I think it excels compared to almost all of my matches, uh, for 2019 is the amount of struggle and, and how hard we, we fight for things in that match. And, um, and I think that's something that's lacking in current independent wrestling in, in general. 
Um, and I'm happy to be someone who's going to take the charge for let's bring back struggle uh, in wrestling because that's that's what this is all about, right? Um, and so, um, so yeah, I, I'm happy with it. I'm I'm obviously you know overwhelmed by anyone who'd say it's their match of the year, but um, but uh, I know people who were there in the building that day who thought it was the best match they saw that weekend in WrestleMania weekend. Um, and uh, I, I greatly appreciate that, obviously, but um, very much looking forward to hopefully getting the opportunity to wrestle Fred again. I think we laid down some really good groundwork and uh, and we can build a uh, build upon it and have an even better match uh, in the future. So, Quentin, do you have any thoughts on this one? Because this is a this is a big one. I feel like you probably have to have something. I mean, is Yehai and Dan to the best wrestlers in the world and when it was when it was first announced it was like oh yeah shit like regardless of like what else is book is whatever else is announced for wrestlemania weekend this is gonna be one of my favorites this is two of my favorite wrestlers in the world so i was all i was always super excited for it and this this didn't disappoint me at all i was really pleasantly surprised by the reception that it got online because we didn't get like we obviously don't get the um don't get the pizza party show until a few days later but seeing how everyone sort of left left the show so pleased and especially with the main event i was super excited to see that you guys especially you guys um obviously you you're going out there and this is your this is your first wrestlemania weekend and there's a big moment for you but fred is a guy that i think has been criminally underutilized and kind of done dirty by the by the wrestling business in the last year or so so seeing him get to have something that was so well received really warmed my heart yeah definitely and it goes into what i said earlier and this is exactly the point i'm talking about where i don't think anyone would try to argue that freddie ahai is a bad wrestler if anyone has ever tried to say that to you then you know obviously just don't ever listen to anything they have ever have to say about anything at all because they're clearly a liar those people are just are are truly insane i i i think he's the most underrated person on the indies for sure yeah but into that regard it's like this could easily be fred's best match of the year because Again, I go back to what I say. It's not that you know you make people more than they are, but it is that you're able to really bring out the best in people, and that's what you do here. Um, you talk about the struggle. I mean, that is a key factor of every Freddie A. High match is is the struggle and making it seem like a real fight. And you go hold for hold, you know, strike for strike with him. Everything that you do. And here's, and this is not begrudgingly to her, but it's it's really funny to think that at the end of the year in 2019, the person who's probably the biggest star in this match is the referee, um, unfortunately. <laughs> yep. yep. You know, and, and that's not to say she doesn't deserve it, because she's definitely probably the best referee in wrestling. But to, but to have these two guys in this match have the match that they do, and you come out of it, and the person who's got a national contract on TV is the ref is, you know, kind of goes back to saying that, like, you know, wrestling has done Fred Yehi dirty. It's it, Dan, you're getting what you deserve out of it. It seems like you're getting there. But it is it is an interesting little thing to mention. Um, up next, you wrestle in Interspecies Wrestling. I'll assume your debut there. I remember watching the match at the time against Jay Rukin. I enjoyed it. Super weird show overall. Yeah, I, I was thinking we, we could kind of, like, just throw, like, all the, like these, like, these next three into, like, in, like into the same match here because... yeah. It's sort of like, Dan, you wrestle like you primarily wrestle in a in a weird in a weird company in three two one, but you know you're coming into WrestleMania weekend and you only had these two sing these two singles matches booked, but 
you get the, like I, I, Jay, I want to circle back to the Jay Rukin thing, but IS, I, um, I, ISW was a weird promotion in its own right, and then you're dealing with general WrestleMania weekend weirdness, and you're in a eight man tag where you're teaming with Jake Parnell, Rory Gulak, and Dickinson versus Gary J, AJ Gray, Chris Stallion, and CW Anderson. Like you're in a you're in a you're in a you're in a battle you're in a you're in another you're in another tag it's just like the, a, most uh, random, the most random shit ever so the dodgeball like, match <laughs> like what the fuck you're you're in the most yeah. random shit ever over WrestleMania weekend man so like how was that experience was it sort of like just a fun experience that you were able to like you know cross off your list and get out the way or is there a little disappointment there that you just sort of like in the last couple of the last couple of days you're just sort of like <laughs> doing weird shit um. Yeah, there's a lot here, and there's a lot of emotion going on here. So I'm going to try and get through this as quick as possible. We can kind of wrap up that weekend. So uh, the one thing I, I, I just wanted to point out, uh, you you bring up um, Girl Hebner, uh, Aubrey Edwards, whatever you want to call her, who who refereed uh, the Yehi match. She also refereed the uh, Jay Rukin match the next day as well. Um, she is... Um, easily my favorite referee that, that I've ever worked with. Um, and she's someone whose attention to detail I, I really appreciate. And and she has gone on record and said that she has learned more from, from working with me than, than anyone else uh, up to a certain point. Now, I'm sure working with the level of, of talent that she's working with at AEW now, that, that might change. But, uh, but as, as far as her in, indie tenure goes, um, we have worked hand in hand uh, really well and i was really excited that she got to to referee that match uh against fred and uh and uh, one little anecdote that i'm not too proud to 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 share with everyone um the finish to that fred match spoiler is the uh the european clutch uh, you know obviously made famous by johnny saint or, or zach saber uh, i call it the patella bridge which is uh, the name of uh the bridge between uh, Surrey, British Columbia, which is where I, I grew up, and New Westminster, British Columbia, where I currently live. Um, and so it, it's a bit of a homage to um, – it's a really old bridge, too. It was built in the 30s, and it's still standing. Um, but uh, I, I beat him with the bridge, and then I'm, I'm lying there as the crowd kind of initially reacts and pops to the finish. And she comes down to, you know, like raise my arm or whatever – and I was just so kind of overcome with emotion of the fact that the match went as well as it did. And it, it felt like it had gone really well. And and um, and and full admission, I, I had started crying uh, and she comes down to raise my arm. And I, I said to her, like, holy shit, that was really good. And she's like, yeah, that was really good. But you have to get up and you have to stop crying and you have to like be big and like show that you won this match now. Like she was kind of like life coaching me through like how to properly, you know, like deal with the moment and, and, and go, go from there. So, so I will forever be grateful for that. Cause otherwise I would have just lied on the, on the canvas and cried probably. So, um, <laughs> I mean, it was your first match WrestleMania weekend. Emotions are definitely going to be running high. And I, and, I do and, like, and I think, I think Fred was the first opponent on my list of, of like dream indie guys for 2019 that I wanted to wrestle. He, he was the first one I checked off too. So he was a, he's yeah. a big one. So, and I think yeah. legitimately 
he may have been let me just consult it really quickly pardon me do 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 do, do. where oh, patella bridge makes sense also because the patella is your kneecap and you know you bend your knees for the bridge so i, I like that name for that for that hold quite a bit it's spelled differently though my apologies but it's still no it's, it's fine spelled, it's spelt like patulo p-a-t-u-l-l-o but either way it's a it's a it's a nice double meaning yeah, literally number one on the list is Jonathan Gresham. Number two is Freddie High. So, you oh, know, hey. I, I got to check off number two so early in the year. So, um, the match versus Jay Rukin was fun. You know, we we only had like six seven minutes. We were the second match on the card. Um, he likes to do some shoot style stuff, so you know we incorporate some of that, and it was fun. Um, how I got that booking is. Because, um, you know, Mike Roch, who's the the promoter for ISW, it, he himself was an old backyard guy. Yeah, we, yeah I, I forgot about that. Okay. And so we were on the same forum back in the day. We had never met each other, um, but, he, you know, he's from the East Coast of Canada. I'm from the West Coast of Canada. And so when I saw that ISW was running, I said, you know, man, I've never reached out to you because I figured a flight from Vancouver to Quebec is out of, out of the way. But I'm going to be there. And, uh, and, you know, we, we've got old history together. So if you have a spot for me, I'd really appreciate it. And Rukin was one of his guys and, and he thought that I would be a, a perfect opponent for him. So, so I appreciate the opportunity. Mike wasn't there, unfortunately in the building. So I still have not met him. Um, he, uh, was, he was going through some health issues at the time and was actually in the hospital, um, that week. Um, but I asked him, Hey, is there anything you specifically want me to do? And I think almost as a bit of a nod to to our backyard roots, he's like, man, like, I, I love your work. You know, it it's uh, it's different, but it's also kind of unpredictable. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if you did just like a crazy ass dive in one of your matches. Uh, hey, speaking of which, can you start the match off with a crazy ass dive? Yeah. And so I said, all right. And so literally I went to, to Jay and I was like, hey, man, he wants me to dive on you before the match even starts. And he's like, all right, I guess that's what we're doing. And so I topate into like the third row, which was probably what other than the match with, with Fred, what people uh, who saw me WrestleMania weekend will, will remember most of, of my my time there. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember I like, that at the time, too. And, and you had a lot of matches that started out with big, crazy topes this year. But I remember specifically that one standing out quite a bit. Yeah, and I nearly kicked a guy in the audience, and and uh, and he tweeted like tweeted about it incessantly. So yeah, for like the s- seventh time, I apologize, dude. But um, uh, but yeah, so it was a fun experience. I also got to watch that food fight battle royal live because I was on the show, and that was a hoot and a half. Um, Black Label Pro actually the next day, I was supposed to be in the just the random battle royal. Like I wasn't even supposed to be in that match. Um. And I got to the building the day of, and they said, hey, we're adding you to this this six-man tag. It's now going to be an eight-man. You're on the heel side. And it was sort of like, oh, okay, cool. Thank you. Who's added on the babyface side? And they're like, oh, C.W. Anderson. No big deal. And it was like, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> like, yeah. cool. One of these things is not like the other. So, um, and yeah, then – C.W. Anderson's washed up. Dude, that's a joke. That is I know a that's a he joke. Is phenomenal. Still, he can still go. I will. I will tell this to anyone who who asks, and now everyone who listens to the show can get the inside scoop. C.W. Anderson hit me harder than I've ever been hit before. <laughs> he knocked the shit out of me in that match. We did a spot kind of off the beginning where I like kind of show him disrespect and whatever, and then he kind of rocks me around bumps me and then comes off the ropes with like kind of like a sliding D like the, you know, the Masato Tanaka spot. 
and I've never been hit harder in my life. I like, thankfully I got to tag out immediately. And I distinctly remember coming out to the apron with Parnell and telling him like, Oh dude, I, that sucked so much. And he's like, oh, yeah, we, we saw, like we could tell how much <laughs> that sucked. Like good, good luck with that. And, and and then thankfully, you know, I caught my bearings or whatever. Right. But that, you know, that match was fun. That match was fine. It was fun. But at that, at that time, was that the first time you crossed paths with Parnell? No, we wrestled each other in SUP the previous year. Okay, that was okay. I, w- I didn't remember if that was 2018 that that match happened. Okay, yeah, so I wrestled I wrestled Parnell in SUP in November of 2018, and then uh, we were on the um, the freelance and uh, Black Label weekends. He was there as well. So okay, and uh, and, and we so- no. Oh, okay. No, I was just gonna no finish what you're saying. I just have another thought on this match. It's, it's- I, I was just say, you know, Parnell's someone that I consider to be, uh, you know, like a, a champion, someone who champions me and, and is really, uh, you know, put over how much he enjoyed working with me and, and, uh, and vice versa. I really liked working with him. And I think, I think the world of him and he's had a crazy 2019 and, uh, and going forward, I'm looking forward to working him in early 2020, which is neither here nor there because we're still in April of 2019. So what, what were you yeah. going to say about the, uh, but I remember at the time when this was a, a trios, it felt like um, like the, the captain of the team. And it's weird to think of it now because Parnell seems like so important that like at the time it felt like the captain of that team would, would have been Dickinson. And it was kind of like a showcase of, of a Dickinson team versus a Kurt Stallion team. Um, or actually, no, actually, now that I think about it, it was it was like a Parnell team versus a Gary J team. But when we got into the, the show, it made sense because you had had this this run in with Rory Gulak and it felt like Rory took over the being like the leader of his team and he called you out to join his team. So like, that's why like, it was weird. Like, like you said, like it felt like you got thrown into the match, but it made perfect sense watching the show at the time. Cause it was like Rory Gulak was impressed by this guy who he wrestled a few months before and brought him in to join his team. Uh, yeah, honestly, that was just us trying to come up with a backstory to make it some kind of reason why I would it worked. Do it on their it, I team, mean, it so. worked. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, so yeah, that match was honestly the victim of that show running long too because we got our time cut twice before we even got to the ring. So, um, so yeah, that, that that's independent wrestling for you though. That's just kind of that's and that's WrestleMania weekend for you too, especially when when these shows that are running live on Fight and on on independent wrestling TV. They they have hard time time limits and so you have to be adaptable. So um, so that was kind of the story of that match. The dodgeball match the the next day, um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean there was a lot of emotions in that it was a bummer that uh, I was uh, you know originally scheduled to wrestle. Um, um, well well actually I was originally scheduled to wrestle Gresham that weekend, which most people don't know, but. Yeah. Um, when I was originally contacted to work for Nova that weekend, it was going to be me and Gresham. And then Nova got the opportunity to book Gresham and Otani. And so they did. And it's probably not, a, not out of place for me um, to speak ill of this person because nobody seems to like him. But uh, I was not personally informed that the match was being changed. I found out when everyone else on Twitter found out, um, which is another shitty thing that Mike from Nova did. Um, so whatever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so then that got changed to the match that did get eventually announced was the Eric Royal match, 
um, which I, I was really upset that didn't get to happen. Um, and, and I still kind of am because I don't know when that's going to happen, but I really want it to happen. Um, and so um, the, the dodgeball match was fun. You know, it was uh, a little bit of comedy. I, I thought the comedy hit for the most part. Um, I was actually the one who was insistent that they had dodgeballs for us. Um, they sent someone to a local Toys R Us to buy dodgeballs and pennies uh, to kind of fully complete um, the the vibe for that match. And uh, and I incorporated a couple like dodgeball spots into the match and and tried to make them you know fun and also like logical. So that's my contribution to to the dodgeball match um, and and the fact that. Um, Eric and I, uh, we admitted to it, each other after the fact that we specifically, whenever there were moments where there was like a melee, when there was you know a dive sequence or brawling or whatever, that we like specifically sought each other out in the amongst the crowd because we wanted to interact with each other as much as we could because you know we had kind of that opportunity taken away from us. So yeah, man, I've, I actually completely forgot that you and Eric were booked, which is you no. Know, yeah. I guess I really, really, really is a testament to how much of that, how much of a mess that WrestleMania weekend really wound up being with like cancellations and everything getting changed and rearranged and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I will never forget that that match was supposed to happen and didn't happen. Um, another match that I wish I could have seen, but I remember it was posted for like a moment and then it disappeared as you versus Elliot Tyler, a uh, former co-host of this, this podcast, uh, the Beef Boy and ECCW Jammed. Um, I guess seeing as you're the only person who maybe remembers it, Dan, what did you think of your match with, uh, with Elliot Tyler? I guess your first match of the year with Elliot Tyler. Yeah, it was, it was our first match. We'll talk more about the second match later. This match was good. Um, it went a a little long, uh, admittedly. Um, we were, um, we were admonished backstage afterwards for going a little bit long, um, which I think that's the only time that happened to me this year. Um, good. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I've gone long, but it's the only time someone called me out for it. But <laughs> um, and um, it was good. But um, we're still at the point where uh, the ECW fan base doesn't really know me as well. And uh, Elliot Tyler as Beef Boy isn't half as over as he would become. I yeah. think if we run this match back now in ECCW, it's hen- it's it's hot. It's it's yeah. hot if we do it now. Um, but at the time it was kind of a cold match. Um, and so it didn't really register with the people there. So it was fun. Um, admittedly, I've never seen it because it was again, me going through that weird mental block of not watching my stuff, um, maybe as quickly as I should have. And it unfortunately got erased during, um, someone, uh, you know, our mutual friends, YouTube channel. Yeah. His channel was purged and it was on there as a secret link and he ha- didn't have a copy saved. So, um, it is it is truly gone to to the ethers of, of time, unfortunately. Yeah, and and with how good your second match was, it is kind of it does feel like it could be one of those things that becomes like a, a legend. Like, oh yeah, well, did you see their first match? Um, either way, your next match after that, CJ Edwards DOA. I also haven't seen this. What do you have to say? Oh, good match. CJ Edwards is another guy I'd worked with. He's he's another Oregon guy. Um, cool match. Um, I've never seen it myself either. Um, I can't remember if it's available on the pivot share or not. I think it might be, but, um, I haven't gone back to watch it. Um, but it, it, it was fun. Uh, again, it's just kind of me slowly building up my momentum in, in DOA and, uh, and getting to work with someone. I, I'd worked with him once or twice before, but this was definitely the best match that we had against each other. And, and honestly, I should probably go back and watch it. Cause I think there are some cool little bits in it. So. 
Follow that up with a match that was supposed to happen WrestleMania weekend at some point didn't happen. A match that I think if 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 you don't say that your yay high match is your match of the year, I think that the, then the next answer is this, and then we'll get into a couple others later on that are like the the, the tertiary pit picks for your match of the year. But you get John Gresham biggest show of the year for three to one battle at Battle Mania. So it's at the it's at the what do they call it the the music box? What's the name of the big venue there? It's the um, show show box. The show box. Quentin, do you have anything you want to say about this before Dan gives us his thoughts or or what do you think? Uh, one of my big dream matches going into tw- going in 2019 was you was you versus Gresham. Uh, no secret, I've been a gr- I've been a Gresham fan for a really long time, and you know you you two just like naturally make sense. You're both really really adept at ch- at chain and Matt wrestling. Gresham and you are both you know are both share that uh that wrestling student you know nerd quality. So it was always something that I that I was super interested in and. I was pleasantly surprised at how early we got in the year. Still the first, still the first quarter of 2019. So Dan, you go ahead. How much? I mean, I know this match meant a lot to you. I know this was something that you really wanted. So how did it feel when it was all said and done? Uh, yeah, it was. It it was it was unreal. It was, it was everything I had hoped it it would be. Um, full admission, it's the most tired I've ever been after a match in my life. Oh, man, I bet because <laughs> you got you guys went at it, man. We went at yeah. he we went at such a hard pace. I think we only had we had like fourteen minutes, and we went like right on the dot fourteen. But we crammed a lot into fourteen minutes. Um, um, yeah, like I said earlier, he's number one on my list for guys I wanted to wrestle in twenty nineteen. Uh, there was a period in time where I thought I was going to get to do it twice in the same month, um, which would have been. Yeah. Un- but I'm I'm kind of glad that it, it got saved for for my own home promotion. It was the biggest show in three two one history. Um, it's the second it was the second time we had run that venue, but um, they the first time they kind of held back how many um, tickets they would let us sell because it was the first wrestling show ever in that venue uh, for the previous year's Battlemania. So after the first one went so well, they they allowed us to kind of increase uh, how many we sold. So there was shoot between tickets sold, crew, and you know staff of the building. There was over 800 people in the building that night, um, and I think it's probably the biggest house I've worked in front of. Um, and the one thing that even Gresham was was impressed with was how you know we're doing some really intricate, like nerdy, you know, nuanced kind of psychology and selling and. Yeah, we're mixing in the you know kind of the fireworks, but it's it's not even like it's not the Osprey Ricochet fireworks, but it's you know it's like nerdy map work fireworks, you know. Um, and the people were just with us the whole time. He was blown away by how good of a reaction we got, considering the type of match that we worked. Um, I, I will say that there's one person that I've, I've probably learned more from, uh, who we'll talk about later because I wrestled him twice this year, um, but. Uh, of the people that I wrestled for the first time in 2019, I probably learned the most with Gresham. He kind of got me to re-examine how I put my matches together and uh, and made me think a little bit deeper about certain things. And he's truly, like, you know, the nickname is Master of the Craft or whatever, which is a Parquet Court song. I don't know if that's where he got it from, but um, I meant to ask him. But um, and, That's a Canadian band, right? No, they're from they're from Brooklyn. Oh, okay. I thought they were Canadian for some reason. Anyways, sorry. Um, but anyways, um, 
but he he truly is a master of the craft. And my one kind of bum bum takeaway is I wasn't able to hang out in Seattle for the rest of that weekend. I had to get home. But he did a seminar the next day in Seattle that I heard from all parties who who attended it was amazing. And at the time, I don't know if you remember, and, and I don't know how, how big this was among the, the wrestling fans, uh, but I know amongst wrestlers themselves, he started up a YouTube channel early in 2019 yeah. where he showed a lot of techniques uh, on specific you know, submissions and counters and roll-ups. That was all the rage with anyone who wanted to learn technical wrestling. And uh, in my brain, I, I was coming up with, okay, you know, he had, had a couple um, – um, videos that he'd put out where he had guest stars in in them like he'd done, done a couple of tracy williams and and one with djz and a couple other people who just happened to be on on shows he was on and so i was going to ask him whether i could maybe make a cameo and i was trying to come up with like a technique that i could show and before i could even get the words out of my mouth he asked if i would do it um and i was kind of blown away but we we just couldn't find the opportunity to do it unfortunately so um yeah, uh, if this isn't my best match of 2019, it's it's number two. So, yeah, I think that that's definitely a uh, it's definitely up there. I I'm trying to think. This might be what I consider your best match of the year. Um, actually, yes, it is. Um, I really really enjoyed it, and I like that you put him away with the the Makabe lock pie, which. Uh, you only break out in in certain special situations. Um, next match following this, a couple days later, you're in without a cause, uh, fool's gold, um, multi man kind of match again with Alex Zane, um, and a lot of other people, including uh, Caden or Kane Jaden, The Whisperer, Johnny Flynn, uh, Ellie Sugar. Uh, Chase James, fun match. Uh, again, another kind of all over the place kind of match. Um, any thoughts on that? Coming off of the Grisham match, it feels like I don't know, almost a bit of a, a anticlimactic next match. Yeah, I I really didn't like this match. <laughs> um, I I don't want to go into too many details, but it was That's fine. It was. It was um... Yeah, it was basically like an eight-man Royal Rumble to crown their first champion, and um, the crowd really wasn't with it. Um, and I did a, a couple cool things with with Zayn that uh, um, you know that I, I always enjoy interacting with him. Um, so I did you know there was some cool stuff with him that I enjoyed them in that match, but otherwise. I think I'm legitimately in it for about four minutes. So uh, it's, 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 a, it's a weird, it's a weird match concept too, especially like trying to trying to crown your first champion. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, was was not uh, not my favorite thing I did this year for sure. No, follow that up. Uh, you're the first title defense, which makes sense. You want to legitimize the champion. He just wins the title in like a really just quick squash against uh, uh the best steve west um who earlier you're talking about you being a heel in three to one battle i'd say the only person who historically is like more of a heel than you in three to one battle um is probably steve west you're probably if you're going to talk about the top heels in the company it's like a, it's always a toss-up between you two um you go up against dave turner as his first defense as the champion um in a uh, kind of a test, and in some ways, I remember at the time thinking this is going to be like Goldberg versus William Regal, and in a lot of ways, it kind of was. Um, 
it's you know not exactly the same because Turner doesn't come across like a like some monster who doesn't make sense in a wrestling ring uh, the way that Goldberg did at the time. But uh, but it definitely was like you actually taking him to a limit that he hadn't necessarily been doing in three to one battle. What were your thoughts on this match? Um, Dave's another person that I, was on my list of local guys I wanted to work with. Um, he's someone who I met a couple years ago who I didn't really expect to, to gel with so much because he kind of came from a different camp uh, than I did. But we um, we really bonded over a couple road trips we took to Oregon together. And um, and he's someone who I consider to be a, a pretty good friend now and uh, and someone who I wanted uh, the opportunity to have a match with. Um, I think it's a pretty good match. There's a few little wonky bits in it for sure. A couple blown spots, like full admission. Um, but, uh, you know, again, it's another match that I requested specifically. I, I said, you know, coming off the of the Gresham win, it makes sense that I would get the first title shot. Similar to the the Eddie Van Glam match, it's me kind of trying to put myself in a situation to help um, get over some other guys in in three two one. Um, and so Dave, you know, coming off like yeah, he I think he won the title in like seventy five seconds or something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was it was kind of a. Uh, um, yeah, I, I think Goldberg, uh, Regal was kind of how I was approaching it, but it, it was me trying to take down like this, this monster and still succumbing to, to his power in, in the long run. And then, and then also uh, it was another uh, promo that I did for this match where I played, uh, a minor threat song. And I just wanted to throw that in there because, uh, yes. they're maybe the most influential, uh, punk band of all time. So, um, uh, so yeah, it, uh, it's fun. Um, you know, worth checking out, but not not amazing. I enjoyed it, and like you said, coming into it, you had just won a match against Gresham. You're getting a title shot against this like phenom champion. It was really a perfect way for you to use that equity, which is a term that I haven't used in a long time in a podcast that doesn't include uh, my include my good friend Pete Schumacher, who I hope is listening to this because um, I know he's also a big fan of yours, um, and you've probably actually met him before. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like using that to help try to get over this guy and establish the champion was, was a great move. But this next match that you have, and we're into May now at this point, which is just shout out. And this is probably like the last match of May that we're really going to talk about is a match that I know that my co-host here, Quentin really enjoyed. Quentin, do you want to set us up for the Judas Icarus versus Dan Maccabe match here? Yeah, this was a, this was a, this is more of a YouTube find. I, Forgot who I forgot who recommended it rec- recommended it to me. It was either our mutual friend Parm or it was or it was Jamesy, um, who you're who you familiar who you familiar with that flew into my radar. Obviously, this is um not like this is one of the I guess like smaller scale the smaller scale indies that we that, that were going on in British Columbia, and this is my first time getting introduced to Judas Icarus, a real fidgety energetic guy that put a lot of life to the Daniel Maccabay style and correct me if I'm wrong I, I think this is the first singles match that you guys had together uh yeah to this it's the only time we've ever worked together singles tag whatever mm, for, so for first and only and you know I think I think I think I think Icky is a guy that would have impressed like in any like whether whatever the first instance of me seeing him was but seeing him get to mix it up with you and hang in there just fine and really just give like a unique and fresh take on what you usually do in the ring and to see what he does after that, I was completely blown away by the guy. So 
you know, you going out there and wrestling him for the first and only time, how how impressed were you wrestling him? He he was uh, of all like the the local kids, he's the one I wanted to wrestle the most for sure. He's the one who I thought uh, I could have the best match with, and and he has so much potential. Uh, I, I think the sky's the limit for him. Honestly, I think he's improved a ton since this match too. You know, this was like yeah. seven months ago at this point, um, almost eight months ago. He feels like a different guy since yes. then. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, this match took place in Victoria, British Columbia, which is on Vancouver Island. Um, it was not a particularly big house. There's maybe 50 people in the crowd. Um, he was well established as a heel in that promotion. So again, I had to work as a babyface. Um, and going into a new promotion is the first time I'd worked for them in the city. Um, as a cold babyface, is not the easiest thing to do, um, especially someone whose style is not. You know, I'm I'm someone I, I I've kind of I've made this statement out loud to people, but I feel like I need to be in front of an audience like three or four times until they start to get me and and then they start to appreciate me. And so so I, I wish we could have had this match in front of a different audience. That being said, I love this match. As soon as we got back from the back, I said, other than the Gresham and, and the Yehi match, this is this is my best match so far in 2019. Um and I know he was really happy with it at the time. And um, we've both kind of continued to grow since then. And um, spoiler alert for uh, as of press time, we won our respective blocks of the 321G0 last evening. And Ooh. we will be facing off in the finals of the 321G0 on January 10th in Seattle. So we get to we get to do it all over again in a, a spot that's definitely more comfortable for me. And I think in... Um, in kind of a situation that I think we'll we'll have an even better match if 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 I can say so myself. Didn't you two have the same bye week? Yes, we did. What were you guys were you guys planning this during the bye week? You guys figured out how to how to both win your blocks together when you both weren't wrestling in yeah, a tournament that, somehow. That's that's exactly what we were doing. Yeah. Yeah. You you two. Um, yeah, this was, again, like you, you talked about, you guys have both developed a lot since then. And this is like, I don't want to disparage this company, but this is like a shitty company with like a tarpaulin mat that you can just see is like baggy and loose on top of the ring. And like, it's just, it's pretty rough in that regard. But the work that you guys are doing in the ring, I could see this. I could honestly see this being, people could argue this is your best match of the, of the year, realistically. And like, I wouldn't. But there's definitely times where I've been like, you know, I've been enough of a psychopath that I would just to like try to make people upset. Um, I don't have that energy anymore. But uh, but yeah, this is phenomenal. Um, you follow that up. You've got a, a match. Um, it's a, another multi-man. Uh, Pitfall Jones, Matt Ecstatic, and Chase James. I haven't seen this match. I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on it. Um, you know, it, this is a fun four-way. This there's the only video that exists of this match is on a private YouTube link. It was filmed behind a window from the locker room, which was in like a room above the venue. And so the audio for this match is everyone else in the locker room like putting their matches together. Beautiful. Uh, so that's why you've never seen it because there's never been a public version made available. But it's actually a pretty fun match. Um, and uh, but yeah, it, it's um, PPW is is a smaller group that runs in Abbotsford, British Columbia, which is about 45 minutes outside of Vancouver. Uh, more of a family friendly show. 
and uh, I, I was happy with this this match relatively, but uh, but it's not um, it's not anything anyone's going to see, and uh, it's not something we really need to go into too much detail about. So right. Well, speaking of family uh, family wrestling shows, you got your next match is against a guy who went into the family business, which is you know being a carpenter, as uh, one Stone Cold Steve Austin would say, as you go up against uh, Jesus Christ Jr. at three to one battle, uh, Cubby Shack. Um, solid match, and again, another one where it's like, a guy who I've been seeing popping up here and there in 3-2-1 Battle as a student, he's got an interesting gimmick, he's doing his thing, I think William Ever, but, you know, queer, I guess, would be the way I would describe it, um, and not queer in, like, the gay sense, but just in the weird sense, um, because I don't necessarily know his sexual, uh, proclivities, um, and you go up against him, and again, you, you, like, show off what he's best at you make him look as good as possible what did you think of your match here with jesus christ jr uh yeah fun match um full of, he's a student of the uh three to one school um this was maybe his fifth match ever um i like i don't even know if it was that i think it was his second singles match ever I, had. Yeah, yeah yeah i think it was like the second or third time i had ever even seen him yeah he's a really nice kid he uh recently broke his arm uh, a couple months ago in training, actually. So he's off on the shelf for the next little while. Um, we did, a, we recently did kind of a tribute show to him, which was our, our Christmas theme show this year was the uh, Jesus Christ Jr.'s birthday bash at the beach, um, which was maybe the first ever Jesus slash uh, beach theme slash Christmas themed wrestling show. Um, <laughs> but, Very uh, possible. Probably. Um, but yeah. Fun match, um, uh, but yeah, yeah, I mean, you can tell he's he's super green um, in this match for sure. But um, but he's a really good kid, and I think he's got a lot of potential as well. Um, yeah, so uh, no, unless you're a psychopath who wants to watch all of my matches uh, in 2019, Which you, I could am. Probably, you could probably skip this. Which I 100% am. So I I've seen basically every one of your matches that are that are that have made tape, except for this next one. I haven't seen Yermo Rosas in with. The, without a cause um quentin do you did you see this no no i didn't get around to watching every single without a cause match yeah. that, dan, that dan had and this is the this is one that this is one one that i forgot to get to yeah didn't um, get to this one dan it's a fun match it's like an eight minute undercard match uh guillermo doesn't really run in a lot of the same circles as i do he mostly works defy and and other kind of washington based indies but he's someone who's um he's quite good um and uh if we had time to do a little bit more i think we could have a, an even better match but at the time um uh yeah i think we were both happy with it and it's it's fun but it's it, you know it's an inoffensive just kind of undercard whatever match you know try to put in some little bits of uh of nuance and, and psychology into it but it's just yeah it's just kind of a popcorn match i, I would say but someone that i enjoyed working with and, and would be happy to work with again in the future so All right so you close out May with a uh, another four-way at uh, 3 to one Battle Spandex Inquisition. Um, guys that you've worked with quite a bit um, in Je- Alan Jepsen and Jacob. Uh, Jacob, I can't ever say his last name. Sumis. Sumis um, and Tommy Lawless. Um, fun four-way. Any thoughts on this one? Not really. I'm looking at the list ahead, and like the next like five or six are going to be real quick glaze. Yeah, yeah. we'll go through them quick. Spider yeah. Warrior DOA. Haven't seen it. I don't know what you think. 
it's it, yeah the four way the four way is fun it, it's okay the spider warrior match i haven't seen it yet either um okay. he's a nice guy vegas based guy um and again just kind of building up my my rapport in, in doa but uh nothing too special about that match yeah sonico match you guys are always good together but i wouldn't say that this is your best match with each other but you guys no, have it, really really good chemistry no matter what so i enjoyed it yeah, it, it it's good, but it uh, it's not as good as our match from 2018 for sure. Um, this was an instance where there was like a crazy backlog at the border that day, and so I didn't get to the building until the show had already started. Uh, and so we we were originally supposed to be early on the show. We got pushed back later on the show, and then I don't know why. Like uh, I'm a lunatic, but I wanted to do a Spanish fly in this match. Um, I've never done a Spanish fly in my life and, um, we didn't have an opportunity to like get up there and kind of feel it out and practice it obviously, because I didn't get to the building until after the show had started. So I just, for the hell of it, just went out there and did a Spanish fly and, uh, it's not the worst Spanish fly I've ever seen, but it is up there with one of the worst Spanish flies you will ever see off the top rope though, not a standing one. So, um, but yeah, fun match. Not our best together, though. Yeah, well, we'll get into you and some uh, some bad Spanish flies later. Um, but next, uh, you got Matt's Ecstatic, ASW, Van City Rumble, ASW. Both matches I haven't seen. Anything you have to say about it, that's fine. Neither, neither of these made tape. Uh, the Matt Ecstatic match is actually really good. Um, he's a local guy in Vancouver who doesn't get out very much, but he's got a lot of potential. Um, pretty good high flyer. He uh, falls under the trivia question of being among the list of the most random group of guys, trainers at the Great Kali Wrestling School in India, um, which includes Matt Ecstatic. Yeah, so so the way the Kali School works is he brings in a trainer for six months and then rotates his trainer out every six months. Um, And he brings people over from overseas because obviously there's not a ton of like – well-seasoned pro wrestlers in India, right? So Maddox Static has been the trainer at the Great Kali Wrestling School. Uh, Ethan HD, also from the Northwest, has been the trainer at the Great Kali Wrestling School. Uh, former manager of uh, Alberto El Patron, Ricardo Rodriguez, has been the trainer at the Great Kali Wrestling School. Jesus Christ. Um, oh, I'm trying to remember his his lucha name. Fuck, anyways. Doesn't oh, El, wasn't it El Local or... Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Facade has been the trainer. Why would, Neon Ninja. Fa- why would you let Facade train anybody? What is going on here? Uh, yeah. So anyways, Maddox Static has, has been the trainer at <laughs> the Great Cully Wrestling School. He's a nice kid. Uh, we had a pretty good match. We did some cool stuff. Uh, I caught uh, like a, a Quebrada in midair into like an arm bar. That was pretty badass. But I've never seen this match. Um, the Battle Royal... Uh, it was like a Royal Rumble style battle royal on that same show that I also had to do that full admission I was checked out of because I'd already had like a really hard fought 15 minute match with Maddox Static. Uh, but just the one fun bit of trivia was the winner of the battle royal uh, later on in the card got a singles match with Davy Boy Smith Jr. Um, oh. Which uh, the yeah, he ended up working Fergie, uh, ECCW guy Fergie. Yeah. And- and that was a really fun match, actually. It was like one of the better Fergie matches I've ever seen. So, um, so yeah, that's Fergie's all. I He's really a good guy. People should check him out. He's he's not like amazing. He's not gonna have match of the years, but he's he's a fun, entertaining wrestler. 
He, you know what? If if Fergie like gives her, like Fergie can go. Like Fergie has can have some really good matches. Sometimes he gets thrown in like comedy tag matches and stuff. Yeah, and he's good at that stuff too. Don't get me wrong, but like if he's given the opportunity to have like a singles, like a serious singles match, he can he can give her for sure. And, and this match versus David Whitsmith Jr. Like he was he was all in for that. So yeah. Oh, nice. Um, follow that up with a the Champions versus All-Stars 10-man uh, tag in 3-2-1. I remember this at the time, really enjoying it. It was fun, but, you know, nothing that we really need to get in-depth on. No, it was just kind of, it's an annual gimmick that we do where all the title holders kind of hold all, you know, face off against all of the top uh, names um, who aren't title holders and just do a big, like, eight-man tag. This year it was a 10-man tag. Um, fun match. It was kind of a, as a backlog to, um, not a backlog, but a backdrop is the word I was looking for to set up, um, feuds going into the, uh, wet hot, uh, Seattle summer show, which was the, the following, uh, three, two, one show, which was, uh, uh, another return to the show box. And, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, probably. Yeah, we, we definitely will. Um, we'll follow that up though. The, the Ethan HD match in DOA I have seen, and I really enjoyed um, I thought that you guys had a, a really good match here. Um, any thoughts on that? That's one that I hadn't seen for up until like maybe two weeks ago. Yeah. And and I had actually, I think it had been up on their pivot share, but I pressured DOA to like send me the match because I wanted to see it, but I didn't want to pay for it. And so they decided they, they just put the whole show up for free on YouTube, which I think that's what they're going to be doing going forward is putting their matches up for free on YouTube. So that's good because there's a lot of good talent and matches that happen in Portland that people don't see normally. And hopefully it'll it'll help people start to break out a little bit more from the area. So, um, yeah, I was very happy with this match. Um, it's uh, full admission. The entire reason I reached out to DOA in the first place was because I wanted to wrestle Ethan HD. And I didn't see any other um, local indie where that would happen. Because he normally works as a heel most places. I mostly work as a heel as well. He works as a babyface for DOA. And so I saw that and I said, yep, this is the best spot for me to have this match. <laughs> and so I went to DOA and I straight up told him, I want to wrestle Ethan HD. Bring me in for a run to, to bring me up to, to face him. And uh, Ethan liked the idea and DOA liked the idea. And so that's kind of that's kind of what this last, you know, these DOA matches, I haven't really had much to, to speak of. But the one thing is I at this point, I hadn't lost in DOA. Uh, and actually still to this point, I, I still haven't lost in DOA. And um, and yeah, including a, a win over Ethan. And uh, I think this is a really good match. It's got it's got yeah. decent psychology and some cool spots. And he drills me with a knee in this match, too. Actually, he knocked me silly with a knee in this match. But um, but yeah, uh one of my like I won't probably wouldn't make my top ten, but it, it's right on on the outside looking in on on the bottom half of the top ten for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's a it's a, a great match, and Quentin, I think you saw it as well. Um, I don't know if you appreciate it as much as us. Oh no, it's definitely it's definitely like worthy of all the pra- of the praise that you guys are giving it here. I would agree with Dan. It's probably not a top ten dead match I've seen, but again, if I'm stretching stretching this thing out to like a top fifteen to twenty. Of the of all the day matches we got this year is definitely is definitely in that in that conversation more so. Yeah, definitely. And then we follow it up with a match. And every time I want to say this, uh, I then get reminded that there's something coming up that's that's also in the conversation. But another match where, if you know, if you haven't already 
heard us talk about Dan's match of the year. This is it. But then also maybe there's a match coming up like right after this. But Timothy Thatcher, like you said, in the show box again. Uh, Quentin, if you want to get into this, um, I know that our good friend Joseph did basically a uh, a YouTube video all about this this three match series with Thatcher, culminating with this match here. Um, but Quentin, if you have anything you want to say about it, feel free. And then after that, Dan, you know, obviously do your thing. You know, it's no it's no secret that you know the match with Thatcher in 2017 is the big breakout moment for you in terms of being in the eye of People like me and Tim and all the you know the other Irish people on on Twitter that got a hold of it and really started to follow your career after that and that was such a big match for you and you have the rematch in 2018 and you cap off the three two one portion of your in ring um in ring or in ring rivalry here with this match so more so than just talking about this match and what that and what and what this meant to you which we can obviously get to but just how important has Thatcher been to your, to your career? Just just per, just just personally speaking, how much has he has he done for you? Um, I I think he's the single most uh, influential character on 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 my career. Um, I don't think um any of this happens if I don't get the the match with him in 2017. Um, if he's you know. He he didn't have to be as as gracious uh, as he was with me. Um, I think he could see that I you know even though I physically I I I don't stack up uh, to him uh, both in looks or strength or, or whatever. But I, I think he could tell that I that I had the passion and the, kind of the knowledge that he appreciated. Um, and and full. Of- admission i you know i've told this story before but like uh, the original plan was for tim thatcher to go over in, in that original match and right. he was he was the one who insisted on on putting me over and he was the one who insisted on not selling merchandise at that show because he wanted the people to hate him and he didn't want them to humanize him before he came out and kicked the shit out of me um and so yeah, I, I told that story at, uh, during a press junket at WXW uh, this past October, and uh, I got really emotional uh, talking about how uh, influential he was on on all of this happening. But um, but yeah, I, I think I've learned more from working with him than than anyone else, and uh, working with him has been uh, probably the best experience uh, I've had in pro wrestling, and. Um, and yeah, I, I think if the Gresham match isn't my match of the year, that this is my match of the year. Um, which uh, funny thing at the at the end of it, uh, I had felt like I had shit the bed. Uh, I uh, I got really tired in this match, um, and I, I just felt like I didn't hold up my own, um, and I was really down on myself after I watched this match, or after I'd had this match, I should say, uh, and then. I had people such as yourselves uh, reassuring me that it, that it was good, and, and I went home and watched it and kind of realized to myself that that it was good, and that we had um, had a, a really fitting uh, climax to our, our three match series in, in three to one battle. So, um, yeah, no. In hindsight, I, I think this is is one of my. It's either my first, my my best, or my second best uh, match of the year. 
and uh, and I'm really happy with ha- with how it ended up. So yeah, and it it could be your best match ever, honestly. Yeah, um, it's in the conversation. It's in the conversation with with just the way that the story goes. Like uh, like I mentioned, Joseph, our our friend Joseph, who does the um, what does he call him? Like a uh, video, video essays. essays. And he did the the coverage, and that was really what what kind of exposed us to him was doing the video essay of this feud, this rivalry. I don't, I wouldn't even call it a feud, which is kind of interesting because there is like that, what does that really mean? All this and that, um, but a rivalry, a, a mentorship, you could even say, as you talk about like the how much you've learned from him and and how this even closes out. He, you have that the scarf still from when he gave it to you um, in your first match at the end of it. And, and and you slap each other in the fucking face and, and you feel like he, he, he sees you as his equal, which is very interesting because that's what the story is about is you becoming a world-class technician wrestler, someone who's on that level and, and you show it as you then show up in WXW, all this and that either way um, the story arc, the way that this, ends up here what 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 we get to coming out of this all of that like there's a lot to this that makes it really hard to not say that this is your best match not just of the year but ever because of just what we're what we're building off of the the history and and all of that coming together here um phenomenal stuff obviously loved the match it was it was almost impossible for the match to be bad uh just because of having such a build and and whatever you guys did, you would be able to appreciate it if you were really invested in it, but you guys definitely delivered here. And again, you talk about this, this, this crowd, the three to one battle crowd who theoretically it's described as not a wrestling crowd, not wrestling fans, but they're here, they're here and they're with every moment of it. Um, Follow this up a couple days later with a rematch, another rematch, someone you've competed with earlier in the year. Um, very interestingly, you talk about you and uh, and Zack Sabre Jr. being similar people. Well, Zack Sabre Jr. has a storied rivalry with Timothy Thatcher as well. And then he also has a storied rivalry with Ethan Page. You said, that Zack Cooper, you're Ethan Page. You, you wrestle him again at the next Without a Cause show. This is the match that I think gets people noticing Zach Cooper. The first match, really good. This match is the match where, okay, and then now he starts showing up in more and more places. Um, what were your thoughts on this, and what are your thoughts on kind of the developing Zach Cooper story? Yeah, th- this match felt really good um, uh, afterwards, and uh, and we were both really happy with it. Um this match was the same weekend as the Thatcher match, and I definitely felt like I had been in a car accident after after those two matches back to back. It was like two just incredibly hard hitting matches. Um, fun little backstory, I guess, was leading into this match, I had kind of grown sick of being a lukewarm baby face at without a cause. We've you know we've discussed how they insisted on using him as a baby face. And uh, up to that point, I didn't feel like it was really taking. Um, and so I asked them if I could go back to just being me as a heel. And they said that that would be fine. And so, you know, in the first Cooper match, um, Key was very much the heel. I was the babyface. And so uh, <laughs> this is like 
the like a, a fantastic example of trying to turn a crowd and and them just not going with it and having to like work you know change on the fly and and work on the fly a little bit because the plan was to for me just to be the biggest dickhead in this match to Zach Cooper and try and turn the people against me and try and give him like a babyface rub and then hopefully you know run the match back again in the future with him as a full blown face and me as a full blown heel. I came out to a huge pop. It's the first without a cause show in their brand new venue, which is now kind of their trademark venue yeah. with like the neon sign on the ceiling and everything. It's the first show of theirs to go up on independent wrestling TV. Um, and uh, I come out to this massive pop and it's like, okay, okay, they're with me, but that's fine. I can turn them. And I am such a massive dickhead to him in this match. And they just cheer every last thing I do to him. It does not matter how much of an asshole I am. They were stoked to see it. And so it was after this match that I came to the back and I said, well, fuck it. I'm a baby face here. That's just <laughs> these people want me to be a baby face. It doesn't matter. I just like murdered this guy in front of them and and they wanted to cheer me. And so sometimes, you know, as much as pro wrestling is manipulation and trying to massage an audience to react a certain way you want them to. Um, sometimes people just want to react the way they want to. And that's a lesson that I learned from this match. But yeah, this is hard, hard hitting. Like we beat the tar out of each other in this match. And uh, and I'd be happy to do it again with him. I, I think Zach's got a, a world of, of potential. And uh, I think he'll probably tell you this is his best match. And this is... This is one that I I think is probably in the bottom half of my top ten for the year for sure. For, for Zach Cooper, yeah. it's, it's either this match or the I don't know if you ever saw this, but the Logan Stunt match he had in a in a sub would either be like the two best like Zach Cooper matches I've seen this year. And yeah, the Shire like, match I really liked the Shire yeah the Shire match, match really, but yeah, like you guys just go at it, man. I th- I think that's why I like the dynamic that you two have and. Like you, like obviously, like Thatcher beats the shit out of you. Uh, Tony, like, like Tony, Tony, you and Tony Deppin do a lot of like really slick mat work, but even Tony Deppin is hitting the shit, you, hitting the shit out of you at points and everything. But is this a different kind of physicality that you're, that you're getting going up against, going up in there with Zach Cooper? And a lot, of, like one of the criticisms I saw people say of you early on when you're sort of like you know starting to bubble up into consciousness is that people thought maybe like you know. Too much, too much finesse. Sometimes a little too pretty. Not like not 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 doing too much striking. But again, like I always knew just from watching the other smaller three two one stuff that people weren't watching is that you that you clearly had that side of you that you were able to go into. And I think Zach Cooper is where you're really exploring that violence. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I and I think there's room to grow in that too. You know, like depending on, um you know, the right kind of situation and opponent. I'm just kind of like scanning my matches for the rest of the year. And there's one match in particular that I think kind of plays into that as well. So uh, we'll talk about it uh, hopefully shortly because we've been talking a long time and we still got a ways to go. But um, yeah, yeah. But, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. sorry. No, it's all it's all good. Like, I didn't realize how long this was going to take, guys. But uh, but like I'm, I'm game for it. And hopefully the, the people listening at home are also game for it. But. Yeah, check check out the match with Zach Cooper uh, and and check out his work in general. The three way that he had at the SCI Futures with Narles Garvin and Manders 
was yes. like the craziest live experience. I I was watching that match with Tony Deppin and O'Shea Edwards, and we like we nearly flipped a table. We were so excited, like at just these three guys just going buck wild <laughs> at like two in the afternoon in in this like half empty gym in Saudi Daisy. It was wild, but but yeah, I yeah. I, I think the world is Zach Cooper. I think he's a really good kid, and and I look forward to doing it again with him in the future. Yeah, and and I've heard the flip the table story, but I. For some reason, I didn't think about the fact that you were part of that story, that you were there in the people in the back watching this, losing their fucking mind. Um, yeah. Um, after that match on the same show, there's I think this is the first crossing of paths between four minutes of heat and the strays in a match that also includes the Hall sisters. Did you happen to catch that or were you too busy licking your wounds from having been in the car crash over the weekend, as you said? Yeah, I I had I did not see that, but it was not the first time that they faced off against each other. Uh, okay. They, their first match in uh, without a cause is in May, and it's for it's up on on YouTube for free and is well worth your watch. They also had a really good match with each other in DOA in June, which is probably okay. up on the Pivot Share because I don't think it's on on YouTube. And then they had a match with each other in three two one, maybe also in June. And those were the first three matches that they had that really like built up their rivalry in the Northwest. But for my money, those those two are the the two best tag teams in the Pacific Northwest. And yeah, and I love their matches they had this year. Yeah, and their rivalry with each other has been phenomenal. So I just wanted to give a, a shout out to that really quickly. Follow that up. Um, you had a little bit of time to rest, maybe about a, a two weeks or so, um, or actually more like a week. Um, and then you're in a four-way, five-way match with six a <laughs> six-way match uh, with the previous opponents, primarily all people that you've wrestled already in the year: Dave Turner, uh, Jacob Sumis, Sumis, uh, Jesus Christ Jr., and Steve West. Um, fun match again. This is like the story of your career. Your the story of your year is being the the glue, the 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 basis point, the person who adds a lot of context to a, uh, to a scrambly match like this. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have much to say about this. No, fun, fun scramble. Um, I remember really disliking this match after it happened and then going back and rewatching it and thinking it was okay. So, um, but there is funny, uh, one funny little bit. If anyone goes back and watches this, uh, I had hurt my shoulder, in the Thatcher match two weeks prior, uh, landing funny on a belly to belly suplex. And it was still bothering me, uh, in this match. And Dave Turner beals me right onto the bad shoulder. And I come Ooh. up and like right in plain view of the camera. I is the most I've ever broken kayfabe in my life. Like I'm just like cussing, like not just him, but just everyone out within earshot. Uh, and it's, it's actually pretty funny. It's like Randy Orton levels of unprofessionalism. So, uh, yeah, I everyone go back and watch that if you want to see me just like swear a blue streak after landing awkwardly on my shoulder. You earned it. You deserved it in that moment. And that was the first part of three to one battle versus ECCW weekend. And then the second part of the uh, the, the rivalry is you versus uh, Sharif Morrow in three to one battle the next night. Um, really, really great match. And again, this is another one of these young phenomenal guys the other half of reloaded with a with jackie lee 
um, from ECCW students. Uh, what are your thoughts on this one, and, and how excited were you to get in there with uh, with Sharif? So I'd wrestled Sharif last year in in like maybe his like tenth match ever, um, and then Sharif actually got hurt and missed a good chunk of 2018. Came back uh, right at the beginning of 2019. And uh, and he had a, a really good year. He's someone that I work well with. I uh, and I love this match. I thought we had a really cool match. There was some. He really was excited about doing some chain wrestling stuff that he had learned and wanted to try out with me. And so I thought we had like a cool, cool little exchange at, at the beginning, based around a knuckle lock. Um, that was really fun. Um, Sharif also weighs next to nothing, so I can <laughs> I can pretend that I'm like a big man on campus, and so I did like a Romero special in this match, which I almost never do because they're hard as hell to do. Don't let anyone tell you that move's not hard to do. Um, and uh, but yeah, no, I, I love this match, and, and uh, I'm happy that our, our mutual friend Parm filmed it and put it up on, on YouTube for for everyone to see because this is a uh, this is a cool one and. Uh, and I was happy. Again, I love working. I've got nothing bad to say about any any of those kids in ECCW, and and this falls in in suit with that. It's a fun match. It's like nine minutes, but it's uh it's real cool. Yeah, it kicks ass. And uh and it would be remiss if we did a podcast and I didn't reference another podcast, but uh, the Attitude Era podcast. They uh the the main host of that, and maybe it wasn't even on that show, but it was on another show. He's talking about the Romero special, and he's like, the Romero special is the uh, the secret handshake of, of good wrestlers where it's like, this is you do the Romero special to show that like you and the other wrestler are both very good at wrestling because it is very difficult to execute. You have to be good to be able to pull it off. Yes. Uh, yeah. So then we follow that up. I, I'm sorry, Quentin, if you have anything you want to get into, but August, this is the biggest month of your year, maybe the biggest month of your career. Yeah, it know. is. It is. <laughs> Quentin, Quentin, do you want to get into August at all? Do you want to, do you want to, kick this off um i mean i'm, I'm glad to be i'm glad that we're doing this with dan because obviously we did the pod with dylan hales after sci and we got into a lot of the behind the scenes and inner workings and just how much of uh how much just like a, a lot of a lot a lot of things were going on at sci weekend but dan you were clearly you know front and center for a lot of it you were in the you were in the middle of a lot of it and just from your perspective Getting that getting that SCI uh, getting that SCI opportunity, uh, Dylan and the rest of the staff believing believing in you and all and all that stuff, and we know that you weren't the planned winner going going into the event. So I do like I do want to talk about every ma- every message you had here, but just the the the, the general feeling in the situation. How did you feel coming out of SCI? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, similar to WrestleMania weekend where there's a lot of emotions and a lot going on. SCI weekend was a big one for me too. And it was, uh, one that changed a bunch and a a lot of, uh, moving parts were in place. Um, you know, someone who I, I will say, you know, if, if wrestling Tim Thatcher does the most for my career, um, someone like Dylan Hales, um, really taking a shining to me and, and appreciating my work and, and championing my work um, has done a ton for me as well because, you know, not only was he the first independent outside of the Northwest to specifically request to, to book me and, and bring me in to for SUP at the end of 2018, 
but he, you know, put me over to other promoters. He, you know, he said this before on record that when, when I was there in, in Nashville in, in July of, of last year, he told me, he's like, we, we, we will bring you back for, for SCI. I want you to be in SCI next year. And, uh, and I, and I've told this before, you know, SCI 2018, I was watching as everyone on Twitter was getting excited to go and getting hyped for the event. And, and I was one, uh, 100%, I'll admit I was jealous. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted to go just to be a part of the atmosphere in the group and, and get to hang out with all these people. So I'm, I'm really happy that I finally got the opportunity to be there and to, you know, not only wrestle there, but, um, but, but to win the whole thing outright. And, uh, and yeah, a lot of moving parts that weekend. Um, I had major flight issues that weekend. I did not get to the building until the show, the first show had started. Uh, literally I walked in the door and I could hear, hear action going on and it was, it was B-Boy and Slim J were in the ring already. So, um, so me and Deppin had, you know, short time to kind of make things work. And uh, this is another one that I think people um, consider one of my better matches of the yeah. year. And it probably I was is. I say that. That was the next. Five, I think, yeah. yeah. I was going to say that was one of the next matches that would cross my mind. Is like, if that's not your match of the year, this is the Tony Deppin match. Yeah. And he's someone, again, I've known forever. Um, we had never wrestled each other, even though we were in the same circle of, of backyarders like a decade ago. Um, but, um, and we don't even really work a similar style at all. He, and he, he doesn't really work this style normally, but he likes to, he just never gets the opportunity to do it. And I like to throw little bits of fireworks that, that he normally has, you know, his matches are just chock-a-block full of, you know, cool, um, like things that kind of catch your eye. And so I knew that we could have like a really interesting dynamic of our styles kind of mixing and meeting in the middle. And I think the end result was, was yeah, like I said, one of my best matches of the year. Seems to be the consensus that it was the best match SCI weekend. People seem to, to think that was the case. So, um, and um and the fact that we were able to do it on such short time, because <laughs> I because I showed up so late. But um, I I, yeah, love- I love I love how humble you are, Dan. I mean, I I I get where you're coming from. You don't want to just say it, but it is true. And like part of why this is the best match of the weekend is probably because of that. It's it's raw and it's real because you guys didn't have a bunch of time to overthink and plan stuff, and you just went out there and two of the best in the world just doing what they do, and that's what happened in this match with with Tony Deppin. Before we move on to the rest of the to, to the rest of SCI, I did want to point out how Dan earlier in the show that you um you had this point that you think it takes a crowd about three or four times to adjust to you and what you offer and what your style is before they have a judgment on you and get used to you and start to give you a reaction. And immediately when you said that, my mind went to SCI because you have the match with Tony Depp in and it gets a great reception live, but then. You know, in talking to Dylan and in Dylan's recollection of the events, post like post show and people hanging out in the lobby and people all around people all around the area, you guys are even the talk of the town after that. So how does it feel, at least to know retroactively in second hand that immediately at SCI, you know, of well, a long a long way from home and everything, that immediately people were there 
and they're not, they're not, and they're not always the most of hardcore fans. SCI, a fundraiser event, and everything that you and what you bring was still catching the attention so much. Yeah, that one was a fun one to kind of really feel the crowd as the match progressed, because SCI is this weird mix of fly-in like hardcore fans, like hardest of the hardcore fans, you know, like that the pocket of Twitter wrestling fans that are occupied by like people that we know. Right. Um, And like local fans in greater Chattanooga, Tennessee. And so the hardcores are all up front sitting on the floor. They paid more for the, for the nice seats on the floor. They're traveling from further away. They want the the nice reserved seating. Right. And then everyone in the audience or in the in the bleachers are all the local fans who are, you know, they'll pay 15 bucks. Oh, yeah, okay, we'll support the local track team or football team or whatever, and we'll go watch some wrestling tonight, right? And, and multiple people told me that you could you could literally see and feel the shift as the match progressed. You know, we already had when we came out, we had everyone on the floor's attention. They they knew that this was gonna be a potential show stealer. But as the match kind of progressed and developed um, in a very nice kind of organic, fluid way, the people on the bleachers started to take notice because most of them probably had no clue who either of us were. And by the time we're in the finishing stretch, they're on board and and the whole building is is with us with with what we're doing. So um, and there was, you know, there was a lot of like local like Tennessee and Georgia, like old timer wrestling vets and people who had been around around the business forever who were sitting in the bleachers that night ready to, to shit on things not being to their to their tastes and uh from what i heard we won all of them over too so hmm. of course you did i mean seriously <laughs> like i said this is well the, the one person the one person i won over that weekend who who blows my mind and uh we bonded over like uh, old school wrestling and our mutual love for elo is Tank, who <laughs> Jesus. Will, will always put me over. And and I saw him tweet the other day. People asked, what's the best match you've seen live all year? And he said, Tony Deppin versus Daniel McCabe. So, yep. This was, like I said, this was a fight. This was a struggle. You, you talked about it with the Yehi match, bringing the struggle. I mean, this was about as polished as a wrestling match can be while also feeling like a fight. What do you fucking expect? I... I I've talked about it countless times already tonight about you being the guy who brings the best out of his opponents. And I talked about it in the top 50 that that's exactly the same lane that Deppen fills. So you guys against each other, of course it's going to be amazing. It's the, it's the two guys who make their opponents look the best wrestling each other. What do you fucking expect? But one of the best matches in the, um, of the year, like comparatively, like I said, the Thatcher match, probably your match of the year i loved it because it has the built-in like background the story everything that's coming with it but if you want to talk about just like the match that is the best the Deppen match is probably your best match of the year honestly because you can come into it cold with no background and just a hundred percent appreciate what you get you follow that up the next night and you go up against a legend someone who like you said you you came into the building and he was already in the middle of his match that's against another legend in B-Boy. You go up the next night against Slim J, and a guy who is phenomenal. And unfortunately, these things happen. <laughs> and you get injured in the middle of the match. I mean, 
I want to let Quentin, if he has anything to say, but really, I want to hear what you have to say about this match. Uh, no, this this is all Dan here. This is, I think, yeah. where his where his SEI takes a very very interesting turn. So go, go ahead, Dan. The floor is all yours on this one. So so it is, but there's an even more interesting turn that like isn't a secret. But I'll just like you know I I think I can say it at this point. But for anyone who's not aware, uh, the original plan going into SEI weekend was for me to lose to Tony Deppin in the first round, and then for me to face Mike Quackenbush on day two of SEI. Yep. And unfortunately, Quack gets hurt a couple weeks prior to that, and he has to pull out, and thus things get changed. <laughs> um, and so I get this match with Slim J, which is another dream match that I never imagined uh, getting to do. Um, I'm really happy with what, what we did. Uh, we, uh, we had to modify things a little bit because of my year, but, but not too bad. Uh, I think it's still a uh, capsule. It's it's a good match, you know, probably like maybe like a top 20 match for the year. Um, honestly, the ear thing is a freak thing and it, it's just a byproduct of me um, kind of rushing through things. Um, German suplexing him and uh, I grab him just a little bit too high up on, on the waist. And so I can tell as we're going over that he's not going to clear me and he's going to land uh, right on my face and so I turn my head last minute and all of his body weight comes down on my ear and just the, the force of the impact splits open my lobe from the inside of lo- the lobe all the way around it to the outside of the lobe. Um, and I, I could tell that it was bleeding bad and, and I felt uh, kind of out of it. And so we kind of get out of there and um, still happy with the match. Disappointed that uh, that it didn't go exactly as planned, but that's just kind of how things go. And uh, were you because it felt like it hit, and then you guys the match was over relatively quickly afterwards. Was there a lot more left? Because it made sense the way that it went. It felt like it like it was just a hiccup in the match, but did it actually affect the length of the match? We maybe had to cut forty five seconds. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. No, not really. We were kind of working to the finish as is. So. Um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah, good match. He was someone who, yeah, he's, he's super chill and super humble for someone who's so good and so underrated and like really deserves more opportunities. And I hope he gets, gets more, uh, he's been hurt, but I think he's coming back now. And, uh, and I hope 2020 is a big one for him because he's, he's awesome. He's so good. And like, honestly, this made me. <laughs> This was shocking to me. He's younger than I am. And he started like a couple years before I did. So uh, he started when he was like 15 or 16. And he's still going, which is crazy. But uh, um, but yeah, killer match. That definitely led to things having to be kind of massaged and reworked going into the finals. Okay. Yeah, I would have... I would have assumed it was just a hiccup in the match because it felt that way watching it. Um, and then, so then from there, I assume you're, I know you don't go to the hospital, but you're out of it. You're not in the building for the rest of the show, correct? Uh, no, I'm, I'm just in, I'm in a bathroom for like the back half of the show, getting the ear fixed up. Figuring out what we're going to do for the finals as far as whether I'm going to be good to go, whether they're going to do it as a three-way, 
can I make a cameo appearance? We're kind of figuring out all the moving parts and how we're going to put together to put together, you know, the best possible match, you know, the best possible story and, and you know, the proper way to kind of uh, finish off the show, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just like there's so much going on in the ring. You're probably all over the place. Like going into it, had you seen anything that happened on the rest of the show in front of the crowd or are you just like completely trying to catch your bearings and be ready to be in the final? Yeah, no, I'm 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 not I'm not paying attention to anything else. Like the other thing is like I had another set of gear that I was going to change into for the finals because I'm a big proponent of if you're in a tournament yeah. and you have multiple sets of gear, you wear a different set of gear in each match. I think that's just a cool vibe that I like to do. Um, but I didn't change one because I was otherwise occupied, but also two because there was blood all on my jersey, and I thought that was a nice visual for for the uh, for the main event. So. Uh, Which it was. Yeah. So, but yeah, then we quickly just basically had to put it together with me as I was getting my ear, like, butterflied back together. And uh, and then we went out and did it. So. Yeah. So then you go out there for the main event, which is a match that's moderately divisive. I think that there are people who really did not like it because, it, like, obviously things are difficult. It's on the fly. There's a lot of moving parts there's a lot of difficulty here you know this was not the plan going into the night i personally i thought that you guys executed what you were doing very well obviously i really enjoyed the finish i remember losing my mind in my living room just like this guy i i felt so fucking bad i mean i, I don't think that i think like i put the story out there but i had the weekend off i had everything planned i had Everything but hotel rooms booked, basically. I had plane tickets. I had everything set up. And then life comes at you fast. You know, I transfer jobs. I move to a new place. Time off, vacation, all that is not going to be the same. And at the same time, I'm sitting in my fucking living room. And I remember Dylan telling me, like, you want to be here. And even at the time that he was telling me that, I don't think he knew what was going to actually happen. You know? But it Pro felt like sitting probably, like, probably not because none of us knew until the afternoon of. So yeah, exactly. So it's just like I'm sitting in uh, on the couch. I'm sitting in the living room at my home. I know what's going on. I'm literally watching it live, and I'm just like, I should have fucking been there because this is it. This is my guy, and he's winning my tournament in front of my crowd. It just felt like the thing where I should fucking be there. And it was all set up for me to be there. And like I said, life comes at you fast and things change and you can't make things different. I, I It was definitely a lot easier for me <laughs> sitting at home on the couch than it was for you bleeding out of your ear, pouring blood everywhere, winning the, I don't know, the most prestigious indie tournament in America at this point. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a PWG fan from a long time ago, but I don't think that BOLA means as much as SCI at this point. I think that when it, when you come out of it at the end of the year, the biggest tournament that you can win on U.S. soil was won by Dan Makabe. And when I was told, like, you definitely should be here, this is going to be something you enjoy, I, I was sitting there thinking, like, fuck, I should have been there, you know? And I feel really bad about that. But, like, what's the emotion like for you? <laughs> you're there. You're doing this. You're part of this match that, like I said, it's divisive. A lot of people don't think that it's great. But it's kind of your crowning achievement so far 
for 2019? Like, how does it feel? Um, I mean, yeah, the the tournament win and the achievement is huge. It, it's probably one, you know, if not the biggest, it's one of the biggest things to happen all year. Um, the match itself, I think, was like more of a story match than what I normally do. It was more gaga than what I normally do, but from what I was told, it, it felt like we executed it well. And and honestly, when I came out after Mac had you know kind of had appeared to have stolen the win again, as he did, you know, give it up to the SCI guys. They're they're great at storytelling and and setting setting things in place for long term stories. And you know, the previous you know twelve months had been all about AC Mac backdooring his way into opportunities and and wins that maybe he didn't truly deserve and so that room was was really not happy when they thought that he had backdoored his way in again and when i came out like it i think it was the biggest pop i've ever gotten in my life honestly um and that room was was ready for me to to tap him out in in the middle of, of the ring and so uh, yeah, it was an amazing feeling, honestly. Um, I, and uh, just like a, a a great great weekend, you know, highs and highs and lows and ups and downs. But um, yeah, what maybe the most memorable weekend uh, of the year for me in 2019 for sure. Yeah, I mean, it feels like it has to be. Quentin, do you have anything like any thoughts? Anything? Yeah, I, I think like the, the most important thing is like really just. Pin, like pinpointing Dan's feelings, and I think Dan, like you know, we saw we saw it on VOD. He was a uh, very clear, like o- like overwhelmed just by how like well everyone treat treated him and the reception he got, and you know even coming in and the plans changing and him coming in the out the outsider the first time entrant coming in and winning the SCI, not one of the local guys. He's not he's not Warhorse. He's not O'Shea. Not Brett Ison, and he's the guy that you left SCI in 2019 and. You know that's you know even if even if he doesn't move on, and even if he's not in the final, I think you still lead the 2019 SCI thinking about Daniel Makabe before anything else. Which like like I don't like I don't know if there's like a more ringing endorsement of a guy than like than than that. I think. Yeah, definitely. But talk about it, and that's like the big crowning achievement. But you follow that up. The next thing you do in the year, it could also be like a crowning achievement for you. You pin the WXW undisputed, you know, what is it? I, I think that's it. Undisputed champion. Yeah. You don't pin him. You tap him out in a shoot style tournament and on your home soil, Bobby guns uh, at uh, ambition 11 in Toronto, Canada. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, like I said, this is a huge month for you. Yeah, uh, August is crazy, and the you know when uh, the like full admission, the WXW guys told me maybe two or three days before the three two one Thatcher match, they're like, uh, I said, you know, hey, what what's the plan for for Toronto? And it's like, oh, yeah, you're going to tap out Bobby Guns and then you're going to do a rematch with Thatcher. And it's like, oh, OK, <laughs> like that's not, you know, massive, <laughs> like it's just so nonchalant. And then like Tim and I saw each other at three to one. It was like because we had put over like, you know, this might be the last time we ever face each other. And then we found out like, oh, yeah, no, it, we'll, we'll see each other again in like three weeks time. But uh, um, 
Uh, yeah, it, it was huge getting, you know, I, ambition is, uh, is quite often, you know, one of the, the highlights of the year for me. Um, and I know you guys have, have complained a little bit about it being diluted a little bit this year, which yeah. I, I think is a fair point they, you know, they ran three of them in 2019. Um, whereas, you know, every, they never run more than one in a year prior. Right. So, yeah. um, and 2020 they didn't even always run them every year before. No. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think in 2020 though, there will probably be multiple ones as well, but, um, um, yeah. So getting to participate in it, um, with, you know, such, you know, heavy hitters like Walter Thatcher and, and Bobby guns all in the tournament. Oh, speedballs in the tournament as well too. Right. So you're, you're, you're in a real all like all-star class here with this one. I think yeah. the one, I think the one that you do in October, I think they, they call it that the ambition wild card. And that one's a little, a little less star studded, but this one you're in, in Toronto was insane. Yeah, it, it, it was nuts. And, uh, Bobby, Bobby was awesome. Um, I think that match is good, not great. I think we would have a really killer pro style match against each other. I just think shoot style against each other didn't necessarily click that well. Um, but oh, to- but it was fun. Oh, to- oh, I, I, oh totally. I feel like um, and Bobby's done ambitions in the past, but Bobby's a way better pro style worker than he than he is like doing anything that's like shoot style adjacent. I think even though he's like clearly influenced by like. Billy Robinson and other catch stuff. I think pro style is way more his thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So the Bobby guns match is, is, is good. Not great, but still like crazy that they put me over him. Um, he and was then, the champion at the time. That's crazy. Yes, he was. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Like it's truly insane. Like this is the first time I've ever worked for this company. Yeah, Your first match. He's <laughs> the champion again. <laughs> yes, the he, is champ- the champ- oh. he is the champion again. Yeah. God, yeah. damn, God damn, dude! <laughs> Your August is I don't like I like I, yeah. I can't imagine being in this position where like you have to like process all of this, and this doesn't even get to the craziest part of your of your um of your uh, August weekend at that point. No, yeah. this weekend is this weekend is nuts. So then we we follow up the guns match with the Thatcher match. Yes, we literally had I'm gonna say ten minutes to put this together because the way that show was run was. Um, there was the four first round matches. Then immediately they came back with the two semifinals. Then an then uh, an intermission. Then the super fight. Then the finals. And so I believe I was match two, and then I was match five. And match three and match four, I'm gonna say they won a total of maybe twelve minutes. And so I had enough time to like get to the back, towel off, change into another set of gear, and then like quickly throw together a couple ideas w- with Tim, and then go out there and do it again. So, um, and it's it's probably the weakest of my matches with Tim Thatcher, um, because it's more of just kind of a straight ahead, uh, kind of an exhibition of holds and exchanges right. and going back and forth. Right? It doesn't have the same kind of emotion and story as as the three to one series. Right? But I, I think it's still a very good match, and, it, and it's probably one of my 20 bests of the year, maybe. Like, it's kind of oh, yeah. in, in that ballpark, but... Yeah, and, and and to that end, it's it's kind of a bummer, because it is for me, for Quentin, like, Timothy Thatcher versus Daniel Maccabe in Ambition feels like dream match situation. But, like you said, having to rush it together, luckily... It was with someone who you have familiarity with because 
could you imagine it was against someone who only speaks German who you've never wrestled before? Like that's the situation that it could have been. Or, 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 even, or, or even imagine if it would have been like, you know, a per, like a first time match, but like a dream match for me and you, we get day, like we get Dan versus Speedball, but it's only like, you know, on like 10 minutes of prep. Yeah, exactly. It could have been, there's a lot of things that it could have, could have happened there that would have been like a bummer for sure. But luckily it's you and Thatcher. You guys are familiar with each other. I could see where you're coming from. It's an exhibition of holds, but it was definitely enjoyable for us just because we have the big background between you guys. Follow that up with a like a random four-way match with Julian Pace, who's uh, I think people like him quite a bit, especially in our Slack chat. People enjoy and Julian Pace. He's good. Brent Banks and Shima, who's a fucking legend, who you're facing him in a four-way and then literally the next night facing him in a singles match. Um, I guess we can throw both matches together, but like, what the fuck? <laughs> August this year is wild. Yeah. Um, okay. A couple points. Um, I, I've never said this out loud, but I, I think the Thatcher match going as well as it did is, is maybe what helped secure my place in WXW. I think they, they saw that and, and they, they were really happy with that. So yeah, for sure. that that's yeah. number one. Number two, the four way on the following show. I wasn't even supposed to be in that match. Uh, it was supposed to be Marius Alani, um, who couldn't get into the country. Um, and so, what did he do? It, I, it, whatever, like customs are just annoying in general. We don't need to. Go I know. There, I know. But, um, so, but um, so uh, I, I think I've told this story, but I'll tell it really, really quickly. Um, um, after the Ambition show, I asked the management at WXW whether I could come to the show the following day because I wanted to watch it as a spectator. I wanted to see Tim Thatcher versus Yuki Ishikawa, first and foremost, but I also wanted to see Walter versus Daisuke Sakamoto. And so they said, yeah, of course, you can come and watch. That would be quite fine. Uh, but otherwise, I didn't have a booking that day any there or anywhere else. And so I was in like full on vacation mode. It was a beautiful day in Toronto. I went in and hung out with some some friends and got lunch and went record shopping and paid no attention to my phone whatsoever um, and showed up at the building as doors were opening uh, only for someone to say, hey, I'm pretty sure you're booked on the show today. They've been looking for you for the last hour. And I checked my phone and sure enough, I have an email saying, Hey, you're coming to the show anyways. Do you want to be in this four-way now? <laughs> and so luckily I had my gear on me and I ran to the back and and it was literally like 20 minutes before the show started and that match was the opener on the card. And we quickly threw it together and had a re- actually it's a really fun six-way match. I really enjoyed that match. Yeah, that was fun. And, and it's yeah. it was super super easy to work with all those guys. So um, and then, yeah, the next day, one-on-one with Shima, like, I don't know, like, I found out, um, it was actually the, the previous weekend while I was sitting, uh, in a cafe having coffee at SUP in Nashville on the show that uh, I didn't get to wrestle on because of the, the aforementioned ear injury, uh, which that's, you know, talk about, uh, matches that I didn't get to have this year, um, you know, the previously spoken of uh, Mike Quackenbush match, uh, Eric Royal, um, 
you know, Sup, it was supposed to be me and B-Boy versus Violence is Forever. Um, but while I'm sitting there having a coffee waiting for the Sup show to start, I go on Twitter and I've, I've had like 10 DMs, including from you, Quentin, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Of people just being like, what the fuck, Shima? <laughs> and I was like, like, what do you mean, what the fuck, Shima? And then I look and like... OWE had announced the card for that show. Like they didn't tell me what I was doing. They just said, Oh, we we've got something for you. Okay, great. Sounds cool. And then, yeah, what the fuck Shima. So, um, yeah, it was, um, I, I didn't realize that match was up for free on fight.tv until like two weeks ago. And so, uh, yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's on fight.tv for free. Um, it's a fun match. I, yeah. I think. It's like, like, it's, yeah, if you haven't seen it, it's phenomenal. Like, yeah, I, you know, there's one little wonky bit that admittedly I, I, I mess up um, and I will kick myself forever that I, I blew a spot with Shima, who's like maybe the smoothest wrestler in the history. Oh, of... God, it, oh that has to that has to suck so much. Like knowing like how you are, it's well, like you just like like lay like, oh, man, I fucked up a spot with Shima. <laughs> and the funny thing is he he didn't fuck. Some, he, he forgot one thing. My thing is glaring as far as I'm concerned, and no one will ever know that he forgot something because he literally yeah. just forgot to do something. He didn't mess anything up. Everything he did looks smooth as butter because he's fucking Shima. And uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm. Uh, but it, but in hindsight, it's like that's a match I can be happy with, um, and can be proud of. And like, fuck, shit, I got to wrestle Shima. Um, yeah. So like uh, we had like a fun like twelve minute house show match basically is how I would I would put it. Um, but he yeah super easy to work with super great guy. Um, and fun story that I don't know if has been told, but he was in Seattle this past October um, uh, for a uh, a Defy show. They had booked him, and he flew in the day before and was just hanging out in Seattle. And there happened to be a three two one show that night. And it was, I mean, we'll talk about it in a bit, but it, it was me versus Alex Zane. And uh, oh, yeah. one of the one of the people who works for 321 ran into Shima at Starbucks and, and said, like, oh, Shima, uh, there's a wrestling show tonight. Do you want to come watch? And he's like, uh, I don't know. And it's like, oh, Daniel Bacabe versus Alex Zane. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know both of those guys. OK, I'll come watch. So, <laughs> so we got Shima to come watch. Shima was at a three to one battle show this year. So, yeah, and that's probably. I mean, we won't say it, but that's probably part of what gets Alex Zane to OWE at this point. Although probably he already knew no, who he was. That, that, those arrangements had already been made. That that's how. Oh, okay. Yeah, Shima yeah. found out about Alex Zane by watching the six thirty gift like everyone else. That's oh, how. Shima, <laughs> look, Shima, Shima is very online. Yeah, it's very like, like if you go back yeah, and, and if you go back and look at those tweets, like Shima like tweets like in replies to it, like oh you come to China or whatever, like <laughs> and then like they started DMing that day, like that's how Alex yeah. Zane gets to OWE, yeah, 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 that's fair. I mean that like the six thirty is still. We'll get to Alex Zane later. Anyways, yes, let's we keep moving. Next match. The first person you ever had an intergender match, you have the rematch with her in a five-sided ring. I just watched this match for the first time earlier today. It was okay. Your guys' <laughs> first match was pretty good. What did you think about facing Kikyo in the 5cc five-sided ring? 
I, I, I like our first match better. Um, yeah. I, this match is okay. Uh, the, the problem is, um, again, they booked me as a babyface. They booked her as a heel in front of a, a brand new crowd who had never seen either of us, probably. Um, and Which uh, doesn't make sense, even if you don't know both of you. Why are you going to book a, a man as a babyface against a woman? Correct. Correct. Yeah. I will tell you, I love intergender wrestling, but heel, heel female versus babyface male is like the hardest situation you can be put into. Um, for any kind of casual or fair with our audience, they're just naturally going to be inclined to cheer for the woman. It's just the way it works. And that's cool. Yeah. Uh, it makes my job as a heel so much easier. But in this situation, it was it was a bit rough. So, um, yeah, it, it was fun. Um, it's a match I 100% took because uh, the idea of working in a five-sided ring was just something yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't pass up. Um, and it's um, it was easy. I don't use I don't use the ropes a ton in my matches, anyways, which is kind of something I purposely do to be different. So, um, but we actually did try to incorporate a little bit more of the ropes in there and and try to do some some takes on on interesting ways we could use the five sides. So. Um, it, it's a fun match that, that company's they've run a couple shows since and, and they're doing okay for themselves. They're, they're cultivating a new fan base in a city that doesn't have a ton of wrestling. And, uh, and, uh, you might see me pop up there in 2020, but, uh, but yeah, okay. it's okay. It's okay. Quentin, did you see that match? No, I didn't get a chance to see that, but I liked the match from 2018. So, yeah. you know, feel a little, feel a little bit, feel a little bit about not getting to this one. I would think that the five-sided ring, while you say that the ropes don't matter as much for you, that the, the shape would make the ring a little bit tighter. Just because a four-sided ring, you have the, the, the center. Ring, the ring was considerably tighter. It's considerably yeah. tighter. Yeah. Yeah. That would make sense. Because like I said, like a four-sided ring, you have the center spot that can be kind of bouncy and nice. But like a five-sided ring, you don't have probably as big of a center area. Either way, you follow that up. Your next match is against a returning star or returning legend really um eric stevens uh in without a cause this is a really good match i think i think both of you were slightly down on it with which i think is shocking um quentin did you see this match what did you think of uh dan versus eric stevens here yeah i really like this i really liked all of the eric stevens return match return matches we got this we got this year and other than maybe the yay high match, this is probably my favorite Stevens match we got this year. And yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a little surprised to hear that maybe you and Eric weren't, weren't as high on it. Uh, I, I was, hmm, I don't know if that, that's, that's fair. I, um, I liked it. Yeah. I, I think it's good. I like, I think it's in my top 20 for sure. Maybe, maybe bubbling on top 10. So, okay. um, okay. Yeah, no, I, uh, there, I, I think there was one or two little wonky bits in it that I recall, but I, I don't remember specifics off the top of my head right now. Um, but he's someone who I, I've wanted to work. You know, when I saw that he was coming back, he was someone I wanted to work with. And uh, and a couple of little inside fun facts: Eric Stevens used to lurk on backyard wrestling message boards. That um, doesn't shock me at all. <laughs> and Eric Stevens was a massive fan of Yakuza J who we have previously Not surprising. mentioned uh, also. And I ruined Eric Stevens' uh, livelihood, uh, so he told me, when I uh, spoiled kayfabe and let him know that Yukuza J is not actually Japanese. So, Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so Eric Stevens was pretty bummed when I when I spilled the beans on that. But, um, Everyone, don't listen. 
No, I actually tried to get Yakuza J to come watch this this match because I knew that him and Eric, you know, Eric Stevens was a fan and vice versa. I thought it would be awesome and it would pop Eric Stevens, but he just wasn't available, unfortunately. So, uh, um, but you know, he's a busy I, man. He is a busy man. I I I, I do like this match actually. I, I think it's pretty good and. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was cool. And it was awesome to get to work with him. And uh, a fun little thing is I told Dylan Hales that weekend uh, ahead of time that my goal was it to be the best match of Eric Stevens's comeback. And then he specifically told Fred Yehi that to try and motivate Fred to have a better match. <laughs> they, Fred Fred tried really hard in that match, so that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> they had a kick-ass match. So, yeah, it was a good weekend for Eric Stevens. So. Because those that's, those matches awesome, they were the, they were the same weekend they were Friday and Sunday that weekend so oh okay okay yeah yeah I didn't realize that because I would have seen them so kind of separated from each other but yep. now that you mentioned that it does make sense that it's the same same weekend but uh, but uh, it it is nice to continue that rivalry between you and Fred building up that you guys were even competing against each other while wrestling the same guy um, follow that up. The next match here is a it's a rematch for you, not from the year, but in general against someone who uh, you just happened to wrestle their sister recently. Is you have Bambi Hall, we built the city on solid steel. This match felt kind of random at the time that it was just like put together. Um, it didn't have the same stakes that you guys have had in the past, but it was the uh, it was the opening round of the the um, Seattle Underground Tournament. Um, and, uh, it was phenomenal. <laughs> like you guys are so good together. You and Bambi are just really great together. And again, like that, that, that same kind of, uh, chemistry continues. Like I said, with her sister, we'll talk about that match literally at the end of the show. Um, but this was a lot of fun here. And, uh, and yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I, do you have thoughts on this one? Uh, yeah, she's she's one of my favorite opponents. I think she's super underrated, and um, if she, she needs to get out of, uh, out of the Northwest, just just like her sister, uh, I think they have so many good matches they could have with you know. There's so many good female wrestlers in America right now, and these two are kind of flying under the radar. And it, it's just based on geography is really what it comes down to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we you're quite right. We have really good chemistry with one another. Um, this was our third singles match with each other. I think it's our best, uh, even though it doesn't have the same kind of drama of our previous two from, from 2018. Um, but there's some stuff we play off, uh, in that match, uh, that plays off our, our two from the previous year. And I, I just thought it was our most kind of smooth match that we had. Um, and, um, up till this point, I think it was my best match I had. In the uh, in the Battle Palace in the three to one's home promotion uh, of all of 2019, yeah, uh, I loved this match. Yeah. And uh, and uh, a fun little uh, tidbit: this show went head to head with a Defy show in Tacoma, Washington, which was uh, it's about 30 miles south of Seattle. Um, that was co-promoted with New Japan. It was the same weekend as the the J Cup that that ran down the West Coast. Um, yeah. And so the big draw of that Defy show was Jushin Liger was in a six-man tag with Brian Pillman Jr. and, and a couple other people. And so uh, I specifically asked Bambi to give me a Liger bomb uh, for one of her falsies 
just as a little nod to the fact that Jushin Liger was in was in proximity to to where yeah. we were in in Seattle that night. So, thank you for bringing that up because I remember now. I remember that at the time, but I I didn't remember it as we're talking about it right now. So yeah, and and I agree with you. That this is probably your guys' best match, and it's and it's part of your big August. Like honestly, your big yeah. August finishes out with you having a match with someone who's become like one of your career rivals. Honestly, you and Bambi are to me in three to one battle linked with each other so much so that like it added a level of intrigue to the match with Liza that we'll talk about later, because I know that you had this rivalry with her sister that makes like that match mean more. But now we get into September and September is a short month for you, but it's important and it's impactful in the sense that you started out with your first match in the United Kingdom in England for Breed Pro. It's your only match in Breed Pro, but it wasn't supposed to be your only match in Breed Pro, unfortunately. Um, as you go up against a guy who I think 2020 is going to be his year, a guy who was starting to break out in 2019 but unfortunately just didn't get the eyes on him that he deserves because hashtag uk wrestling is dead um in carlos romo uh this was fantastic like it played into the storyline that they're doing in breed with carlos romo and it played into like you being brought in as like a special attraction quentin like i feel like this is a match that is in your wheelhouse if you have some some thoughts before we let dan talk about it oh totally this is a definite top uh, top 10 dan match of the year for me and romo's a guy that that has been hit that has been hit or miss for me at times but i thought romo really brought it here i think you really i think you really rose to the occasion dan i know that you were excited to go to go to go to england and get this out get the um, get this out get this in the system and really show it really show what you can do over there and even if the trip and the bookings didn't go as exactly planned, I feel like this one in September, you really made the most of it. Uh, yeah. Um, this is, um, I, I think this might be top five for the year for me personally. Uh, mm. I, I love this match. I loved working with Carlos. He's someone that I immediately kind of clicked with and, uh, and I consider a friend now, like we, we really get along and, and we talk all the time now. So, um, we're kind of looking out for each other too. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's kind of uh, introducing what he brings to the table, and then uh, you know, similar to um, you know the Deppen match. You know, it's it's two styles kind of colliding and and having a nice mission mash in the middle. It's uh, someone that he doesn't normally get to do a lot of the mat work kind of stuff, and I think he was really excited to show that he could do that stuff. Um, cause he definitely, um, quite often gets overlooked as being, you know, like his partner as being the guy who is more a specialist when it comes to that stuff. So, um, but yeah, I, I, I love that match. There's a little bit of, uh, of psychology that, uh, one person so far has picked up on that. I, I purposely put in that where, uh, I'm specifically trying to keep things in the center of the ring and he's trying to keep things tighter to the ropes because he doesn't want to get caught in submissions, but also because his finish involves him springing off the ropes into into the cutter, and uh, and so that's like a little bit of a, a a detail that I don't know people have ever really uh, incorporated into their match, but I thought it added like another level to that match beyond the the actual physical work 
and some of the sequences that we came up with were just really smooth. And, and the audience, you know, there was maybe a hundred people in that that club in Sheffield, but they were um, they were all very excited to be there, and they were all incredibly gracious, uh, you know, for me to to have come that way and to to wrestle for them that night. It was it was a great experience overall for sure. Yeah, follow that up. Uh, without a cause again back there a big show for them um i won't say not a big show for you but but you're wrestling a local legend not local legend but a, a, a stalwart in the local area in eddie osborne really solid match and really you talked about it with with without a pro without a uh, i was gonna say without a pro um, without a cause that you're like being a baby face there and and their last match in without a cause there being uh being with um eric stevens and uh and being kind of that's just like a dream matchup situation but this was the first match in without a cause that like you were f- really i think it felt to me 100 percent leaning into being a baby face against a real heel and how did you feel in there against Eddie Osborne, who's like a heel's heel? Honestly, like I, I think even you, as someone who's a very good heel, you have to respect that Eddie Osborne can get some real fucking heat, even against people who probably know him personally. They can't stand him in the ring, um, and you're going in there, and you are just getting to be just a like lovable babyface against just a real shitty heel. He's he's awesome. Uh, he's someone that I wrestled. Uh, I had a match with him in 2018 in his hometown, which is a, a small little town on Vancouver Island called Campbell River. Mm, population of maybe 15,000. Like um, it was small show, maybe 30 people in the audience. Um, small ring, like 14 foot ring. Not a great match. Neither of us were really happy with it. And so going into 2019. I made my list of people, including, you know, a lot of local opponents that I, I really wanted to work with. And there's only two names that I put on there that I had previously worked with uh, that I specifically wanted to have another match with. Uh, and one of them was Eddie Osborne. And so in September, uh, when Without a Cause kind of came to me with a couple of different ideas they had for opponents, um, one of them was Eddie Osborne. Uh, and I said, yeah, absolutely. Give me that match. That's something that I've wanted to do since our, our first match was was kind of avenge our, our shortcomings, albeit in front of a very small audience that I, I don't think that match ever made tapes. So, um, so yeah, I, I I was really happy to work with him. He he's a great heel. Um, I wanted to do what I could to really put him over as a monster, and so um, like specifically, he doesn't take a bump until my comeback. Like. He doesn't take a single bump for the first two thirds of the match. And he was like, I don't know if touched is the right word, but he was kind of blown away that I wanted to go to that level to really get him over as a monster for, for that crowd. And so um, I know he, he had personally said that it's one of his favorite matches he's had all year. And uh, against local, a local guy, it's one of my favorite matches I've had all year too. It's uh, it was kind of a, a, a different kind of story we tried to tell. And uh, and I don't know if it necessarily hit as well as we would have liked to in the room, but uh, but I think it was a good match for sure, and, and one that I'm happy with. And and he's someone that uh, I've subsequently worked with a few times in a, a multi man. We're going to talk about, but he's someone I really like, 
and uh, and I worked pretty well with. So. Yeah, and and talk about in the room. Maybe it didn't hit, but in my living room on my couch, this match hit because I remember watching this and just being blown away. Like I said about getting to see you be just a pure baby face against like a real heel. Like uh, it was really impressive because I think a lot of times I watch you in a match and we'll talk about it relatively soon in general. Um, there's matches where I see you and you're playing baby face against a heel that I've just, I just always think like Dan would be such a better heel in this setting because you're just so good at, at being a heel. Um, this is one of the few times that I've seen you, especially this year, where you're facing a heel where I'm like, yeah, this guy's a better heel than Dan. Like, Dan should be a babyface against this guy because he's just so good at this. The next match is definitely the opposite of that because you're play, you're facing a pure babyface who's, you know, green, but very much has, uh, has charisma, has character, and has some, some standout babyface qualities. Izzy McQueen... Uh, versus Dan Makabe, Battle of the Sexes 2019. Uh, primarily a big show for 3-2-1 Battle. Honestly, it's the uh, it's the, the, the show, the mixed show that they run on the same weekend as um, uh, Rebel Girls Tournament, which is always a huge show for 3 one Battle for the past two years at least. Um, what did you think about this one? Uh, yeah, this, this was another one that I specifically requested because... She's been coming to uh, work more three two one shows this year. Uh, she had previously worked for us, but not just on kind of one off basis. But she kind of became a regular in three two one this year, and uh, I think she has a ton of potential. I think she has a lot of natural charisma and character uh, to her, um, and um, and so I, I specifically wanted to work with her on on this show. So uh, I was happy we had the opportunity to do so, and uh, I think. There's a few little clunky parts in it, but for the most part, I think we we tell a nice little story, and uh, there's some cool little sequences in it, and uh, I think it's a fun match, and uh, I was really happy to work with her, and and I think she was pretty happy with it as well. So, yeah, it's a match where if you're a psychopath like me and you want to watch every Dan Makabe match, you definitely watch this one. Um, if not, skip it. That's fine, but you're missing out on something solid there. Follow it up. Uh, it's a is a four way five way in four, ECCW four way. Let's get weird. ECCW trying to steal uh, three to one battle stees, but they put you in there with Tony Baroni, who's obviously a legend in in the PW or the Pacific Northwest PNW. Uh, Jackie Lee, former opponent of yours, and Jet Ruka. Um, solid stuff. I don't know. Any thoughts? Uh, of my random, like, one-off four-ways and five-ways and stuff that, that happened this year, we've talked about a bunch of them and kind of glazed over a bunch of them. I think this one's probably the best. Um, okay. It's like, you know, like nine, ten minutes, but it's really smooth, really fun. Um, some, some you know, some cool multi-man spots. There's a little bit of comedy. There's some, uh, you know, Jackie and, and Jet Ruka do some really impressive, like, athletic stuff. Baroni oh, yeah, is such I remember a, that. Baroni yeah, is such sorry. a good um, heel when it comes to just being just a real shithead. Um, and so, yeah, I I was the last-minute replacement for this, this match. Um, there was, like, a late substitution and i i got this booking on like two days notice and uh and yeah i really had a fun time and this one's free on youtube as well so 
Um, yeah, I, if you got eight, nine minutes, I, I think it's worth worth a watch. Right. And how can ECCW not continue to bring you back when you get thrown into random ass matches like this and you fucking show out like you do here? Um, Quentin, I think you probably saw this. We have Daniel Makabe versus confirmed super worker Alexander James. What did you think about this on Inner Circle 8? Um, I, it was good. It was solid. I think we, I, I'm really high on Alexander James, and I'm obviously like a big, like a big Dan guy. So coming in in a circle, I was like, oh, like this might be one of the sleeper, like one of the sleeper matches of the night. And it, and it was good. It was solid. I felt like I felt like these guys probably have a have a better match in them, though. But it's about as it's very good in pretty much like all the other aspects that yeah. I would that I would want it to be. Damn, what did you think about working in this building? Because the the inner circle building, the the dojo, basically the 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 WXW uh, school building is like legendary for nerds like me and Quentin. How did it feel getting to work in front of this crowd? Uh, I loved working in the building. I wish it had not been in the dark, <laughs> right? Um, because the power went out. Um, maybe the match before us. Or two matches before us in the middle of Tim Thatcher's entrance. Yeah, it went out and, during um Thatcher and Harris versus the Workhorsemen. Correct. And I don't know. Actually, the fun thing I don't know if it made tape was so they they basically stopped the show, tried to get the power going, couldn't get the power going. So they grabbed all of their lights that they use in their studio for filming like interview segments and stuff, and they used those to light the room. And it was well lit enough that the people in the room could see the match, obviously, and and the people at home could still see the match. But yeah. um, for me, who like it's no secret, like uh, I don't have particularly good vision. Um, it wasn't the easiest thing uh, to work in that kind of lighting. Um, and uh, admittedly, both Alexander James and I afterwards, we kind of admitted to each other that we feel like we have a better match in us for sure. Something yeah. was just a little bit off. Um, and, uh, and I don't know exactly what it is. Um, I, I'm definitely more comfortable working as a heel, but in that situation, obviously I'm the baby face to his heel. Um, so that's not really an option. Um, but I, I think if we had the opportunity, we could definitely have a better match against one another. And even if it was at another inner circle, but hopefully it would, would not be in the dark. That would be my one, uh, <laughs> my one, uh, request. The one nice thing that came of, uh, that uh, the thing was, you know, WXW made the change to everyone kind of having their, you know, the theme that's within their library. So they have the license, their own non-licensed music or whatever. Um, and so Thatcher has his own theme that he's been using and like he used it against me in, in our match in Seattle as well. But um, so he came out to that and then they had the issues with, with the, the power and, you know, there was like, a good like 10, 15 minute delay and that match getting started while they figured out what they were going to do with the lighting. And so after, as there's like this melee of people running around and grabbing lights and whatever, you just hear like the WXW officials, they, in the midst of them grabbing stuff say, okay, yeah. And and yeah, yeah. yeah. When this match gets up and running again, Tim, you're coming out to David Hasselhoff again. And so (laughs) they, they did the the classic trope of uh, prior to that, every inner circle, Thatcher comes out to, to David Hasselhoff, uh, and uh, and so they so they did that again, and they popped the the whole room and got them back into the show by by doing that and having the big sing along to to David Hasselhoff. So. Perfect. Oh, that's so good. That <laughs> that is amazing. Um, 
Follow that up with uh, Riptide. You, like, have this weird little interlude as you're in the German... Like, they bring you into WXW, but you get flown from Germany to England to work in Brighton for Riptide for two shows and then go back to WXW afterwards. The first night in Riptide, you have a tag team match <laughs> that was not supposed to happen. I think you were supposed to wrestle Brooks. Was it supposed to be a singles between you and Brooks? Yeah, it was supposed to be a singles match with me and Chris Brooks. Yeah. It turns into you teaming with Chris Brooks. You join CCK, which I did like CC Bay with the, the capital uh, K. I don't that was the crowd was the crowd was <laughs> chanting that they were into it i was i was okay with it cc makabe i i liked it but you're going up against rob lias and mad kurt curtis chapman and i told you this recently but like the chemistry the work between you and curtis chapman is my highlight of your weekend in riptide you're maybe no because you do have the Dom match. So I was going to say my highlight of your whole weekend in Europe. But you and Curtis Chapman are fucking phenomenal together. Like, I love you guys together. And then you and Brooks as a tag team is great as well. The only, like, Lias. Like, Lias is fine in here. But, like, he did, he just didn't have, like, he didn't really stand out. But, god damn, did I love this match. Um, Quentin, did you see the Riptide tag team match? Yeah, I watched, uh, watched the, rip, the Riptide stuff last night. And yeah, what, exactly what you were saying, for some, for some odd reason, that Makabe and Curtis Chapman chemistry is just... <laughs> it's, it's, it's really strange, but then you kind of think about it. It's like, Curtis, Curtis has such a big personality, and then you think about the big personalities that that, that, that Dale works in with 3-2-1 on a regular basis, and it, and it makes sense that 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 him and Chapman would sort of hit it off. Yeah, I I, I always uh you know as as far as my place in in three to one you know people will sometimes give me a hard time that three to one is this promotion that's filled with gimmicks and I I don't really have a gimmick but you know within the context of three to one like my gimmick is is the wrestler right that's right you know, that's you know and it I, I will sometimes equate it to the Muppet Show which I'm I'm a massive fan of. In that I'm, you know, I'm like the not necessarily the, the special guest host because I, I'm a regular there, but but I'm usually the the one playing the straight man to all the chaos of these puppets running around, right? And so, you know, Mad Kurt is this such this big personality uh, who's, you know, plays up the fact that he's just this annoying, um, like he's not even a millennial; he's probably like Generation Z or whatever they call them now. Um, you know, this kid who uh, thinks that his, his shit doesn't stink and that he can stand up to all these tough guys. And, uh, and, and I mean, I'm glad that our chemistry came through because he's someone I really enjoyed working with. And, and afterwards we both kind of said to one another that we'd love to have a singles match with each other at some point. Yes. So, so I hope that happens at some point. I, I want to go back to Riptide so bad. Uh, probably my favorite promotion I worked for. Or in, in 2019, their hospitality is off the charts. Um, their production levels is off the charts. Their amenities that they provide for 
um, their workers as, are literally second to none. Like what they provide for people in their backstage area is bonkers. Um, so uh, yeah, I love that promotion and I will champion into it uh, into infinity. I, I want to come back and, and Brighton as a whole is a, a great city, but it's unfortunate that the, the Brooks singles match didn't happen. Cause that's kind of a dream. And I think we would have a cool match together, but um but the fact that we got to work together and, and have a really fun tag match, uh, I, I'm really happy with the end result of that match. So, yeah, I I honestly really loved you guys as a tag team, and it because you're both so tall. Like Brooks is obviously very lanky, but you're also like equally tall, and like you guys are like the brothers of destruction, but on the Indies, you know, like you're just you're like massive, you're like violence giants of the UK. Like I would love to see you guys as a tag team, like. Just because you're both like both super technically proficient, you can both grapple. You're both fucking huge compared to the rest of the people that you're wrestling on the UK scene. It would be really cool to have you as a long-term tag team. It's not gonna happen because Chris Brooks already has like five other tag team partners regularly. So like you know, obviously, um, but and then also a singles match between you guys would be phenomenal as well. But the, the coming out of this match, the thing that I really want is. Mad Kurt versus Dan Makabe in a singles match because you guys vibe together so good. And then you follow it up the next night. You have what should be what is a dream matchup. Two out of three falls. Or not two out of three falls. British rounds. Jordan Breaks versus Dan Makabe. Before you even talk about the match, Dan, this is something in the in the private. I know that I asked you, why the fuck does he use the last name Breaks? And you asked him. It's okay if you don't want to talk about it, but why is he Jordan Breaks exactly? I, I mean, like, it, it is straight up a play on, on Jim Breaks, for sure. Right. Like, he obviously works the, the world of sports style, although... He, 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 dress, he dresses like him. Yeah, he yeah. wears the, the same tights and the same boots and everything. Um Although he's a like a he's a classic blue eye as I as I use the traditional Ooh. term over there, uh, he's a blue eye. He's he's not like a, a Jim Breaks character whatsoever. He's more akin to like a Johnny Saint or a, like a Steve Gray or a uh, uh, you know those style style of workers. But um, uh, uh, similar to me, who is just a, a cheap knockoff of of Togi Makabe um, at the time. He he took the Breaks name because he was inspired by World of Sport. Uh, at the time, Jim Breaks was not a murderer. Um, yes. And uh, and the first thing I when I met him, I, I told him, you know, I was really stoked to meet him. I was a fan of his work, and then I just asked him if anyone gives him shit for cosplaying as a murderer, and uh, and he said I was the first person to ever bring it up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So, so there you have it. But, but uh, no, he he certainly does not endorse that man or or what he has done. But he took right. the name prior to any any kind of uh, uh, incidents that happened. So, right, just yeah. like you took the Makabe name before uh, Toge Makabe was into snacks because you are a vegan and you can't eat baked goods because they have eggs in them. Um, Quentin, what did you think of this match? Oh, this is great. I mean. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. This might be a top five damn match of the year for me, and yeah. I know that um our pal Jamesy was super really, was really high on this, and I saw some other people that are really high on this too, and yeah, you know, like I, I no secret, I'm a I'm a fan of 
you know, British rounds. I love the idea of escal- like escalation in my wrestling and, you know, gradually, you know, over the course of over, over the course of the round, you know, busting out your big guns, opening up the pace, getting more frustrated with your opponent. So, and I, and I thought this match definitely delivered what I really enjoy out of world, world of sport, uh, style, style matches. And other than like, you know, the, the Zach's and Gresham's and Gulak's of the world, like I can't think of two of two guys that I would that I'd rather see in a British rounds match than Dan and Jordan. Yeah, uh, Dan, what did you think about this match? Because it's a rounds match, but it's relatively quick. Like, what did you? What was like putting this together like for you guys? I I, I love this match. Uh, it I think it's it's easily top ten for me uh, of the year. Like it's knocking on the door of top five. Um, I loved working with Jordan Brakes. He's uh, he has such a bright future. Um, he's also a uh, low key like he's into like he plays in like hardcore bands and uh, wow. And so we, we, yeah, he's he's a bass player, and so we have a lot Seems of common like ground. That kind of guy. We have a lot of common ground when it comes to that stuff. He also bought me a coffee that afternoon. We went for a nice walk around Brighton, had a, had a lovely coffee, and uh, went to the local organic grocery store together. So. Um, yeah, no, Jordan breaks, uh, stand up guy, such a great wrestler. I think he's like 23, like the, the sky is the limit for him. Um, if I could come back to book, book my own return to Brighton, it would be a a rematch with him and, and then a singles match with Mad Kurt, honestly. Um, yeah, it was the one thing I, I will just say, uh, is, you know, we weren't given a ton of time and we, we filled the time basically when you account for the breaks in between rounds and the fact that the first round went the full five. Um, we basically filled every last minute that we were given. And so um, I'm really happy with the way it turns out. I, I love how it was filmed, obviously. And um, I'm really happy that I got to get my, my buddy, Kevin Koo as my corner man. Uh, Cause he just happened to be in England that weekend. Yeah. And um and yeah, no, uh, I'm really happy with. We used a lot of the elements, and 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 there were a lot of nods to the style and and the history of World of Sport. And with you know, we put a, a public warning in there, which is something is just like a little uh, attention <laughs> to detail that that I I thought of and I thought would be a real fun a little twist. And and we used it really nicely within the story of the match. And so yeah, I I love this match. I was so happy with this match afterwards. It would probably be the first time in a match that uh, that a breaks was not the one getting the public warning in his match. Absolutely, um, that, that, yeah. that is very, that's a very nice. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll definitely give a shout out to that. Um, and and I messaged you. I said, "Who's your corner man?" And you told me it was Kevin Koo. And I'm just like, he looks way different with clothes on. Uh, you know, it's just like very interesting. But it was nice seeing him. Uh, getting to be your corner man and it made sense there so then you're back you fly back in this whirlwind what is this like this whirlwind going from germany going from canada to germany to england back to germany and then now it's not just that you're back in germany but you're having three matches in one night you're making your way to the finals of ambition and we talked at the time and i know that your cardio wasn't exactly where you would like it to be because I know that you had had a bit of an injury, not a super bad one, but 
you hadn't been able to work out at the level that you would have liked to, and now you're going into a big night where you're having three hard matches. I mean, we talked about it, but wrestling is hard. <laughs> like, running around and flipping is hard, but wrestling, grappling on the mat is also hard. And you go in there, and you're facing James Runyon, Dominic Garini, and A-Kid all in just really tough, hard fought matches plus like i said on top of it you're flying back and forth you're all over the place on planes like christ how are you feeling getting into this it's the craziest weekend of my life like there was only there was literally one day that i wasn't in an airport in the span of like six days (laughs) uh it was like five out of six days in a row i was in an airport basically um and uh yeah this was um and to add to it you know like you mentioned that my cardio were, wasn't where i wanted to be part of the reason was because i i have a nagging knee injury that's bothered me for like 15 years now um that's kind of off and on and hit or miss and it had been bothering me uh leading up to to that week and i hadn't really been able to do the kind of cardio i wanted to because I couldn't do things with my leg. Uh, And then it was feeling okay again. And then my knee uh, dislocated uh, in the night one tag match in Riptide. And so uh, the breaks match and all three of these matches are like, I'm on a bum leg for all of those matches. Um, But uh, it... uh, it was another similar to the the first ambition tournament. It's like a dream come true. The fact that they have the faith in me to to put me into the finals is uh is a really uh, a nice feeling. And uh and uh, full admission uh Dom worked, you know, kicked me uh, a bunch on on one leg and then A kid kicked me in the other leg and so I, I could barely walk by the end of that night. <laughs> Because both my legs had been peppered with like leg kicks, so. So you came in with a bum knee. You're already getting peppered with leg kicks. Quentin, obviously, I think we both really enjoyed this weekend for Dan. I'm gonna let you get into whatever you have to get into, but I have to close it out with like the big question from the weekend. So, Quentin, feel free to uh, to any points or anything you want to ask about. Yeah, I mean, like go, even you just were doing this ambition run here. You're going up against three drastically different guys. Um, obviously, Don with his BJJ background, A Kid is a A Kid is, is a little bit more A Kid is a little bit more uh, fidgety and energetic when he's on the mat and sort of like a you know like a way that like that Judas Icarus was. And from what I'm recall what I'm recalling from with uh with Runyon, a little bit more a little bit more power to him. So just going in and like coming up with ideas for these for these matches. And obviously, it's it's ambition. So the so the idea is still make it look competitive, make it look legit, make it look like there's not too much thought into it. But just strategy wise, how are you going into making these things look different stylistically? Um. Yeah, I mean, you you pointed out nicely that there are three kind of different opponents, and so like the Runyon match, I really worked like an underneath style. And sold a lot for him and bumped a lot for him. And um, but you know, then I added a lot of the the detail and a lot of like the kind of submission y comebacks and and things like that. Um the one thing I love that getting to work in tournaments more and more as of late 
is I think there's a real nice art to working in a tournament and you can put like little bits of detail that will carry over from one match to the next that, you know, hopefully everyone will pick up on, but not everyone necessarily will, but the people who do pick up on it will appreciate it. Right. And so things you've used as a finish in prior rounds for a tournament, guess what? You can use it as a false finish in later rounds because people have already seen you finish with those things. Right. So, um, so yeah, that I I still managed to get uh, as much of my kind of nerdy creativity on in in this setting, whereas you know I I was still a lot of those ambition matches is just go out there and wrestle, right? You just kind of feel it out a, as you're going, you know, and you try to put like little um, moments moments in there that can be high points and and like they're literally their shoot high spots is what they are, right? Um, and so, yeah, uh, I kind of did that for, for all three. But um, the Dom match was one that in particular I, I was happy uh, to get. Dom is someone who, um, as the years kind of gone on, we've uh, become uh, closer friends. Um, when I first met him, I, I found him kind of hard to read, and I don't know if he even liked me. But now I'd, I'd consider him a friend. And he's someone that we kind of like leaned on each other, both being you know so far from home. Um, and, and knowing each other prior to going to Germany. And so when we got to the building the day of, we, we both knew our opening round matches, but we didn't know that we would be facing each other in the semis. And as soon as we did, we were both, we were both like, yeah, all right, here we go. We're going to have the chance to, to really kind of kick it up a notch and, and have the match we know we can have together. And so, uh, that for me was probably the highlight of the tournament was getting to face, face my friend and, and kick the shit out of one another. And and we had some cool cool moments in it. I thought, and and I know for some people that was the the match of the tournament. So yeah, yeah. And for me, I, I I said it, but like comparatively, when you really compare this to the the kind of the ambition, like kind of high watermark with the Timothy Thatcher year, um, where he actually loses in the final, just like you did here. He loses in the final to to Matt Riddle. You lose in the final to to a kid. The, the Dom match is the the Jeff Cobb match, which makes sense. To kind of Dominic Greeny is kind of the new Jeff Cobb as far as I'm concerned when it comes to like wrestling and all that. Um, you know, what he does. Um and you guys have some kind of connection there. Um it's not the same deepness, but the question I have to ask, the thing I have to bring up, I can't we can't get through this without talking about it and it's a thing that i i think that weirdly none of the conversation has ever really brought you up i remember it at the time people talked about it and i didn't even know it was you that you were part of it and then when i saw the match i was like oh fuck this is the thing that everyone lost their mind about and i remember watching it and really appreciating it and i've already said my piece on it and i thought that you guys did it super well but shoot style spanish fly what was that like? Did you get, was it in your mentions? Because like I said, I remember it being talked about and there was no mention that Dan Maccabe was part of the shoot style Spanish fly. What what do you remember from that moment? Did, was it in your mentions? Were you all over Twitter? People were dunking on Dan Maccabe for doing a, a, a Spanish fly in a shoot style tournament or or did you kind of get let off easy on it? Uh, I definitely got let off easy on it. I think everyone dunked on on just the the idea of, of the spot in general. 
and then also specifically on a kid um but like and 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 i had some people who who asked me privately about it um and uh present company included correct and um and i'll i'll say the same thing in, in public that i said privately in that uh the idea was just as much mine uh i thought it made sense within the context of of who he is um i also thought that it would be like a cool end to to kind of his story and and my story in that tournament and and was kind of like indicative of who we are as wrestlers um also um not to be like uh get on a soapbox for a moment but um i don't know there just seems to be like kind of a holier than thou um uh, approach to how people talk about shoot style wrestling. Um, and that that's fine. There's so many different facets to shoot style wrestling. It's not all like, you know, there and, and the current kind of climate of your Tetsujins and your ambitions and, and whatnot. Um, it's kind of all a hybrid of the previous hybrids. Like there's no real hard and fast rule of, Okay, so we're running our own shoot style show, and it's going to be exactly along the lines of rings, you know. And so, like for anyone who went back and watched like the '90s rings, that one to me felt more like a um, like a pro wrestlingized version of of a shoot, truly a shoot. And and part of the reason for that is because they a lot of the guys they brought in, you know, they had the Japanese guys who were all pro wrestlers, but then all of the Dutch kickboxers and the Russian sambo guys and and so on and so forth, they were all shooters. And they basically <laughs> had to be taught how to work. And so yeah. they weren't doing they didn't have pro wrestling psychology in mind or pro wrestling nuances in mind, right? So they were working in kind of their flashier kind of shoot things in to try and make it be more you know visually stimulating because it was pro wrestling but um as opposed to uwfi which was that was pro wrestling and there was a lot more pro wrestling psychology and there were a lot more pro wrestling spots in it and etc and so so forth oh sorry 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 to cut you off there but like even going like with uwfi uh, battle battle arts popping up in the in the, and, in the, in the, in the that, late and that's that was my final point is yeah. that battle arts brought it even more into a hybrid yeah. in that you've got Alexander Otsuka who's grappling with a guy one minute and doing giant swings the next and yeah. I recognize that Genki Sudo has has done a shoot giant swing in a fight and then tapped a guy out with a heel hook afterwards but that's not really the norm within a shoot and, uh, and there were dives not, there were not to people mention, doing dives <laughs> he was doing topicon heroes in his matches as well right so like to me it's not egregious to to include a, a shoot style spanish fly when you know so much of of people talking about the 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 great wonders of, of shoot style now is based on you know the elder statesman that's currently being kind of. I I really sound like I'm angry right now. I'm not. But, no, no, no. You're, you're bringing bring up a good point because it's like it's kind of weird how like rings became the standard of what people like like deem acceptable in shoe style when UWFI and Battle Arts were also right there pushing yes. boundaries with Kyoshi Tamura doing kip ups in, in the middle in the middle of matches. And and the guy who's kind of become like the the you know, like the elder statesman of current shoot style is Yuki Ishikawa, thanks in part to WXW, 
who've used him on two of their weekends this year. They're bringing him back for Carrot in, in March versus Daisuke Ikeda, which I got a funny story about that as well, which I, I may have told in story or uh, on a podcast. I don't think I did, though. Um, yeah. But um, and he's the one who invented battle arts and he's the one who's all about really hybridizing it and and yeah. mixing, you know, like. Those those Ikeda Ishikawa matches, while being like hyper realistic, you know, like Ikeda won some of those matches with Death Valley drivers, you know, <laughs> like so. Um, so to me, like it's not egregious. Uh, I have no problem with it. I'm the one who suggested it. If you don't like it, I understand that, but I don't really appreciate people sitting on a high horse because um, it, it just feels like it's a selective memory on, on what is true shoot style and, and what is not, you know. And I, and I think, yeah. uh, I think in general, like, shoot style kind of a, like attracted like a, like a really like strict like fan base that it ha- like it has to be this, or a lot of time a lot of the time they get really they get really upset about it. Yeah, I, I think that's true, and and that's fine if if that's them, but that's not me. So, um, yeah. but uh, and then the one quick story I'll, I'll tell is when I was actually in the Turban Halla. Uh, preparing for WXW Ambition, I was on the stage stretching because that was the nice big open space I could I could get. And they were running through the graphics for the show uh, on the big screen just to make sure everything was in working order and getting ready, you know, before they opened up the doors and let everyone in. And they put the graphic up because it was at that show that they made the announcement that they're doing Ishikawa versus Ikeda at at Ambition uh, Carrot Weekend this coming March. And I, I was on the stage stretching when the graphic came up and I literally just sat up and I like, looked at it and like you I, like the sound of me like yelping, like echoed throughout the, the entire building. And I turned to the, the marketing guys who were running through it and I was like, like elated, like what you guys are doing that? Like, can I please come and watch? Like, yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> And and they were like, no, 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 you didn't see that. You didn't see that. That that's don't, don't worry about it. Like, but yeah. then they confirmed to me afterwards, like, yes, of course they're doing it, but please don't tell any fans before we, we make the announcement. So um, so yeah, and and not to bury the lead, but I get to be there when it happens, and I couldn't exactly. be more excited. So I was just gonna say that because it's that got announced, and what also got just recently announced is that you're going to be there for for six and carat weekend. <sighs> congratulations thank you um, yeah it, that's amazing you deserve it you deserve it obviously we've talked about it you deserve it I, there's I, no question about that yes that, be, but, that uh, being said that being said we still have two and a half months so let's let's get going no, no we're almost there we're almost there but uh all the stuff you just said makes complete sense and i think that people who have their issues with it can continue to have their issues. We follow that up. This is the re not, it's not the rematch, but this is the second yarder scramble match. Is this more people that you're familiar with when it comes to backyarding? Cause you said the other ones are like Craig Mitchell. You've never even interacted with, uh, or maybe you did, but he was from a different era. Lewis Linden, you had wrestled once before. Um, this is you, Alex Zane, which we already know you've wrestled Tony Deppen, we've already seen you wrestle before. Johnny Cockstrong, I think you guys have history. Steve West, of course, you've wrestled a bunch before. And then Gears, the Gears man, Corvus Fear, shows up um, in Beyond Wrestling, Sodom and Gomorrah, and it's a, another yarder, multi-man. Um, what are the 
thoughts and everything that happens here. Uh, I definitely have more history with with everyone in this match. Um, I've known Johnny Cockstrong forever. We had never wrestled before, though. Um, Corvus um, is kind of from the same era as all of our guys, uh, but we had never wrestled. We had met a couple times before, though. Um, this match, uh, afterwards, uh, I, I was not very happy with it, and, and other people in the building were really not happy with it either. Um, upon rewatch, it, it was okay. Um, but it was just kind of, the crowd was kind of dead and a couple missed spots kind of helped bring them down a little bit more. And, um, so, uh, uh, full admission, it was a bit of a, a disappointing affair, I would say. Uh, yeah. I, I'll, I'll take the freelance backyard six way over the beyond backyard six way. <laughs> That's fair. And part of that too, is that you get fucked up in this match by a crunch wrap by the guy that you ref, you wrestle in your next match. And I feel like you bring it back and you take it out on him for fucking you up um, as you face Alex Zane in a rematch from what I consider your match of the year from 2018. Personally, I thought it was your best match of 2018. You face him again in 2019. It's definitely not your match of 2019, but it's very good um, as you face Alex Zane again in the Battle Palace. What do you think about this one? Uh, yeah, uh, that, that crunch wrap did really mess me up actually in that six way. That sucked so much. Um, he like landed right on my ribs, but, um, I, I really like this match with, with Zane in the battle palace. Uh, it's a bit rushed We're we're a little short on time. Um, but we managed to pack a lot of really exciting spots in there. There's a lot of story going on in there. Um, there's a little bit of playoff of the first match, not a ton. Um, and um, but he, you know, since the last time we've seen him, he's become like this superstar, like everyone from around knows. And so um, he's able to come in. He gets the win over me. We're now tied one apiece. Hopefully down the line at some point we can get him back and, and maybe have a rubber match uh, in the future. I know that's been discussed. So but uh, but I think I think it's good. Um, I think it might be. um Technically, it's a little bit um, maybe a little tighter and maybe uh, not as sloppy as the first match. But I don't think the the storytelling or the drama is is even remotely close to the first match. I'll I'll admit that. The the sloppiness on the first match actually made it, honestly, because like when you take off the top rope and all the stuff that you do, like that, like adds to the story that's going on is that you're just trying to figure out a way to beat them. And you do, obviously. And then now you guys are even one on one here coming out of it um from there you go on to another multi-man halloween hell uh eddie osborne ferg who we talked about earlier eric strange draymond andrews uh eccw i don't know if i've seen this match what did you think of it you haven't seen this match because it's not it's one that didn't get filmed and put on youtube um it's on oh. I, I think it's on the eccw pivot share I haven't seen it. Uh, in the moment, it felt good, but of of all my multi mans, it's kind of in uh, of the, across the year. It, it's kind of in the middle. Um, it was kind of more a backdrop for a story involving other people in the match that aren't me. Uh, but I was happy, you know. I, I got to do a little bit more stuff with Eddie Osborne, who um, this isn't the last time we'll talk about him this year. But I got to work with a bunch with this year, as we previously mentioned, and and I think the world of him. So. 
And the main event on this night. Oh, go ahead, Quentin. Yeah, you were about to say what I was going to say. I, I, I'm pretty sure this was, this was the same show with the Judas yeah. Icarus versus Elliot Tyler match. I don't know if you got a chance to watch that. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it it is the same show, and uh, I did get a chance to watch it. And I uh, recently I tweeted uh, the ten best matches that that I saw this year, like personally in person on shows that I was on. And that that Elliot versus uh, Judas Icarus match was on that top ten for sure. So, yes, yeah. I did I did get to watch that thankfully, and it was it was nuts in person. So, it was nuts on tape, nuts in person. That's what it's all about. These guys. I mean, we talked about it, but these kids. Before we get into you wrestling these kids, because you really do over the course of the next two months, the the closing out of the year. Um, you wrestle Tony Deppin again, a rematch from what I think a lot of people could say was your match of the year. You guys bring it back. Like we talked about with the, the Yarder match. I, I, I said it to you at the time. I didn't say it to you on the podcast right now, but I thought that the interactions between you and Deppin in the beyond match were a little shaky. You guys came back super strong in without a cause at the, the one year anniversary. Um, and had a match that was phenomenal. Was it as good as the SCI match? Probably not. But it was very good. What did you think of the Tony Devon match in, in Without a Cause? Uh, I, I liked it. I think I we were both a little iffy on it afterwards. But we both watched it back when it went up. And, and we were both happy with it. Um, it was maybe a little bit more ambitious than the, the SCI match. And maybe not everything that we planned kind of landed. Um, but I think like... The highs in that match are very high, um, and there's some some really cool exchanges that um, I love working with him, and and we both um, we're both really creative, and we come up with some cool stuff together, and and so that this match was indicative of that as well. So, and and he's someone I've said publicly that I would love to be able to take this around the horn as like a touring match. And I think there are more companies that that should book this match, uh, GCW being one. Um, PWG. But, uh, yeah, yeah. One of these days. AEW. Uh, <laughs> maybe not that one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no. They I'm, should I'm, book I'm, it. I'm happy with it. Uh, I'm happy with it being a part of our, our series, and I, and I hope that there's more to come with me and Tony Deppen. Yeah, for sure. Uh, follow that up. The Golden Boy in the Battle Palace. Three, two, one. Things I hate about you. Um, I just yeah, I'm about to say I just watched this last night. Fuck, yeah, loved it, loved it, and yeah, like, yeah, and like Tim, something that you mentioned when we were, you know, we, when you were first starting to cover Sammy Guevara on this week in wrestling, was the sort of you know boy, you know, the boyish good looks that he that Sammy turned into turned into his gimmick and everything. That while he like even getting his ass kicked, it's like sort of like a deserved ass kicking, um, sort of like that you know that that Shawn Michaels. Undertaker Hell in a Cell match from uh from Bad Blood '97 and everything, and I think like like obviously like, Travis Williams is is like more is more the heel here, while uh while Dan is like you know by de- like no by 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 default the fan favorite as he's not as much of a dick as Travis Williams <laughs> is, but I, like I I really liked how you know you're put you're pushing you're pushing Travis here and that even with him. Being being in this heel role and being a little bit more subdued as to you know what he's going to do in the ring, you you know more more than enough chances to really get his shine and do it do a lot of his signature spots, 
And this is the best I had seen Travis Williams look all year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's he was another one on the list. And I didn't think I'd get a chance to, to work with him because he is truly a heel everywhere. Like, he... Yeah. He is so good at being unlikable. I never thought of the Sammy Guevara comparison before, but that is really on point, actually. And uh, and yeah, I, I was happy with this match. This was good. Um, um, as always, I, I I never feel quite as comfortable as a babyface, but uh, but I felt like that was necessary for for this match. And like full disclosure, I I insisted that he got introduced first, and I told him to like take his time and like really try and piss off the fans during his entrance <laughs> just so did. like they'd be more inclined to cheer for me like well this guy's an asshole too but we like him better than this first kid so um and so yeah but no, i think we did some really cool stuff and uh and uh i like this match a lot yeah and 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 the thing about it is 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 as um quentin talked about it um he is he's like a combination of the Miz and uh, and Sammy Guevara, and that like you know, in between the two, when it comes to level of talent, when it comes to working and character, so like it's it's perfect because he's just he's definitely not like all gimmick because he can work, but he's also like not because Sammy Guevara is over the top with the shit that he can do, like. It is a testament to how much of a fucking asshole he is that you can still boo him as someone who like uh, is able to uh, to still be a heel doing the kind of shit that he can do. Um, and this match was phenomenal. You guys are so great. After this, we follow up with a couple PPVW matches that I have not seen. You have three of them. You can talk about them if you want. You've got Colin Cutler, Eddie Osborne again, who's obviously oh actually i did see this i saw i saw both of these matches i've seen all of these matches what the fuck am i talking about <laughs> colin cutler the cougar meat kid eddie osborne and the uh the title four-way with uh matt static todd quality and bishop um this was a one night tournament and uh it was pretty good what did uh what did you think of this night dan uh, it, it was, it was fun. It was, um, PPW, like I mentioned, is in, in Abbotsford, BC. It's uh, more of a rural town. Um, um, so like a different kind of crowd for sure. More of a family crowd. Um, Cutler is someone who's been around for years, trained at Lance Storms. Um, you know, people speak really highly of him. I'd never met him before, but, um, I found him really easy to work with. And uh, I thought we had like a, a fun match, uh, like twelve minute, just kind of house show match. Him as as like an over the top heel, and me as kind of the technical baby face. Um, me and Eddie um, was good, not as good as our match and without a cause though. Um, it was a little bit nice. rushed, yeah, a little bit rushed. Um, but we had a couple cool moments in there. Um, and then the finals, the finals were fine. Um, it was a four way, but you know, there was also over the top eliminations in, in, in addition to pinfalls or submissions. So we kind of played up that a little bit more at almost like a four man battle Royal, um, full admission by the point, uh, the, the ring that these guys use is really, really stiff. And, uh, I felt wrecked after this evening. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. and so, it was three it was matches a, in a in a stiff ring is probably not a great night. 
wasn't wasn't the best. But um, yeah. but yeah, all these matches are up for free on YouTube. PPW is um, you know it's a newer promotion. This was their first year in operation, and they're trying to offer an alternative for people who are just a little outside of of the city limits of Vancouver. Um, and, um, you know, they're using a lot of talent from different promotions who wouldn't normally work for each other because of, um, you know, they have their various home promotions. So, uh, I like what they're doing and, um, and going forward, you, you might see me pop up there again a little bit more, but, um, but yeah, this evening it, it was okay. Yeah. And then you follow that up with, uh, a match against one of the fur horsemen and he's accompanied to the ring to a recently returning, uh, and a guy who we talked about, you've wrestled so many fucking times in Scott Henson. Um, you are wrestling Syrian Softpaws in the G0 tournament, the same tournament that you were wrestling Travis Williams in, in a pretty solid match um, for the most part. There was a lot of goofiness, but you know what? There's not necessarily anything that's always bad about being goofy. What did you think about this match? Yeah, fun, on un, like undercard, singles match, comedy, like you said. Um, there was a few miscommunications, so it wasn't like the cleanest match I had all year. Um, I've had much better matches with with Sarian Softballs, albeit not under that gimmick. Um, yeah. And um, like I said, he's got on the outside. He's got a guy that you've got a lot of history with, and that Scott Henson is playing the heel manager for you to play off of as well. Outside of the ring, so uh, he's actually he's actually he's actually being a babyface manager. So really, because it felt like he was a heel. Yeah. Well. Anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's um. It's an okay match. I, I I think we have a better match in us at at some point. But um. But yeah. It it was all right. I I apologize for for mis uh, aligning Scott hints in there. You follow that up. You have a match with Eddie Edwards that I have not seen. The video is not out, so you're allowed to tell us how good this is. What did you think about your match with Eddie Edwards? Yeah, this is the only one I think, as of press time, that like has never, uh, besides the the lost uh, Beef Boy match, yeah, hasn't come out yet. But it will be on Independent Wrestling TV eventually. It was on the most recent Without a Cause show. Um, I did not know what to expect going into this. Um, you know, Eddie Edwards is a pretty big name. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, admittedly, one who's kind of been through various ups and downs in his career as of late. Um, you know, he had the injury, you know, recently-ish and came back from it and kind of had a different kind of vibe to him. And I did not know what to expect going in. But uh, working with him was was honestly really, really nice. He was very, uh, very gracious and and hardworking. Like he wanted to to give it, you know, it's uh, it was like a Saturday afternoon show in Everett, Washington, and he still like went all out, and we uh, we had a pretty cool match actually. I think I think people will like it when it comes out. Um, right. uh, like maybe maybe bordering on top twenty. You know, it was it was a good match, not not my best, but but it was uh, I was very happy with it, and and he seemed happy with it too, and and uh, and was very uh, much putting me over to people. So I I'm forever grateful for that when someone with uh, as much uh, kind of esteem and accolade uh, does that for you. That's, you know, that's kind of the highest honor. Someone who's been doing this at a high level for a very long time says that you're, you're good at what you're doing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's 
100 I know this for a fact he's an ROH Triple Crown champion he might be a TNA Triple Crown champion and he's giving you your due so hey good stuff Quentin did you see the Effie match the DOA Effie match we mentioned it earlier do you have any thoughts on this no I didn't didn't get a chance to see this one this is one of the few damn matches I saw getting a lot of praise that I just didn't get around to, but I know that everyone that saw it, that I'm friends with, has really said nice things about it. Yeah, I loved this. I thought it was a phenomenal showing from you, Dan. But let's hear what you thought about wrestling. The man, Effie. I mean, he's a guy who definitely deserves the praise that he's getting. I think that people overlook how good he really is, but I want to hear it from you as someone who actually got to mix it up with him in ring. Yeah, he certainly is the man of the hour, and he's uh, he's awesome. Like a like a legitimately just a, a really genuine human being. Uh, he uh, we he was up for like three shows that weekend in the Northwest, including the aforementioned match with with Eddie Van Glam that we talked about like four hours ago. Um, and uh, and so I got to hang out with him a bunch that weekend, and uh, I, I loved working with him in, in Portland. He um, you know, I had put a, together a bunch of ideas that it kind of incorporated his style and, and I thought was a nice kind of meshing of, of our styles against one another. And he seemed very uh, impressed by the fact that I had kind of gone out of my way to, to think of stuff for him. Um, and uh, the fans in the, in the building really liked it and uh, and the promotion really liked it. And, and we were both really happy with it. So uh, I, I don't know if it's uh, it's good. It, it's I don't know if it's missing something or, or what we could really do to get it over the hump, but but uh, maybe not a top twenty match, but it's still you know uh, in the upper tier of of good matches I've had this year. Uh, definitely happy with it. Would be happy to do it again with him too. He is just yeah, he's awesome and uh, he deserves everything he's getting right now, all the attention and all the uh, the opportunities. So yeah, yeah, and to say you know what. I don't. I, anyways, we'll move forward. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm at a loss for words. I think that he is definitely very good, and I do think that people write him off as a novelty act, but he's most certainly not. You follow no, that up. He. He can go. He can. He can go. Can confirm. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah, like I can't. I can't say that because I'm just like some fucking nerd on a podcast with you. Follow that up with another guy who can go in another match that like I. It might be recency bias, but I wouldn't be shocked if people called this one of your top matches of the year. It's like in the top 10 conversation for me, at least. And this is not just me being co-opted by whatever. Like, I've said this multiple times, but the only reason why I'm friends with you, Dan, is because I am like just an unrepressant nerd who will not leave you alone. And you're just very nice. So you just like eventually have to put up with me that I won't stop messaging you and tweeting you so at this point we're just friends and then it's the same thing with with elliot tyler who's like we're we're friends just because i love this guy i think that he i think the world of him i think he's a great wrestler and you guys have a fucking barn burner of a match i i I already said i think it's in the conversation for your top five matches of the year i think it's in the conversation for top five matches in the battle palace this year you guys fucking kill it here with a sprint that has a story it has arm work selling leg work selling it has just 
violence. It has believability. And like I said, it has it moves. What did you think? Like when you put this together and this is at Jesus Christ Jr.'s birthday birthday bash at the beach, which you mentioned earlier, when you guys put this match together, did you think it was going to be this good? Because in in the execution watching it, this is so fucking good. Um, I mean, you never, you, you hope that things are going to work out like you see them in your brain. Right. But, uh, you can never expect them to. Right. So, um, the one match that was really an inspiration for me, I mean, one, um, we had had that match prior in the year that went missing. It was good, but we, we knew we could do better. So we wanted to improve upon that. Um, two, up to this point, I was happy with my performances in the G Zero, but I felt like I needed to just ramp it up a little bit, and and, and I really wanted to have a, a good overall tournament that I could be proud of. So I knew that I had two matches left in the group stages, and and I needed to put in like two really good performances. So I, I specifically wanted to to kill it with this match, and and three kind of the inspiration was in in last year's G Zero, I had a, a similar like six minute sprint with Sonico that incorporated a lot of, of spots and creativity and, you know, cool, cool sequences. And so I was kind of inspired, like, okay, I want to do like my version of that match, but this year with, with, with Tyler. And so we just went out and, uh, and everything just seemed to, to hit like we planned it. And we were running on full cylinder. Like we admitted to one another that we fully expected to gas one another out because of, how much we planned on squeezing into such little time and uh and tyler like he fully admitted to me that you know because the match starts with the big opening dive like we mentioned prior in the uh the jay rukin match crazy tope to start things off and you know you're kind of off to the races and uh and tyler mentioned to me after the fact that he saw me coming and he took one deep breath because he knew he wasn't going to get a chance to get another breath for like six or seven minutes Ooh. so <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I love this match and, and it's in the conversation for my 10 favorite matches of the year. Uh, I love working with, uh, with all those kids, but Tyler may be my favorite of the bunch. I think he, uh, he's got a really good mind for it. Uh, maybe, maybe better than all, all of them, uh, of the other, uh, kind of young up and comers in the Pacific Northwest. And, uh, and I want to wrestle him as many more times as I can in the future. Right. And Again, people can say I'm co-opted or they can say whatever the fuck they want about me. But the reason why Tyler was the first co-host that I had on the podcast from all the Pacific Northwest people is because I like him the most. It's not (laughs) surprising. Like, I didn't pick him to do the show because, like, I was trying to be buddies with a guy who I thought was cool or he's nice to me. I picked him because... I think he's fucking amazing. Like I, I can we, confirm. And, yeah. I can confirm he is not cool or nice. So yeah, me and you have talked about this. I think that he. I think the world of Elliot Tyler. I think he is an amazing wrestler. Do I? I really enjoyed that he said yes, but he was the first person I asked from the Pacific <laughs> Northwest people to be a co-host on the podcast. He was the first person that said yes, and that was. The whole fucking reason is that I'm a huge fan of his. And then you guys had this amazing match together. Quentin, did you watch this match yet at this point? Yeah, this is is part of that last minute viewing. And 
you you guys hit the nail on, hit 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 the nail on everything there. Timothy nailed how like fiery it was, and while it was fiery and told a story and had a lot of passion in it, you know it doesn't it doesn't forget to you know remember the little things and sell and really sell the concept of not 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 just limbs but the concept of exhaustion and how hard you guys are going and. You know, for 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 a guy for a guy like Elliot Tyler that had a really strong year, him and him and Icky had really strong years between the strays with rabies stuff and the stuff against each other and the, the matches they had with you. They, they both had really strong years, and it felt it felt like between having ample time to get this match together and really figure out what you wanted to do here, that this went about as well as you could have hoped. Yeah. That is 100% the case. All right, so then we finish this out. We've got the final two matches of the year. Two matches that I've just watched within probably the past 24 hours. you got the singles match with Beyblade at Seasons Beatings, WCCW. I enjoyed it. It was relatively quick. It was relatively simple. Beyblade is uh, still young and still learning, but a good match. Dan, uh, what did you have to say about this? Yeah, fun match, quick match. It, this is literally his second match ever. Um, and uh, and it went relatively well. So I'm, I'm happy with it. And, uh, and he's a nice kid that I'd be happy to work with again in, in the future. All right. And then your last match of the year. Quentin, did you get a chance to watch last night as we're talking now? Dan versus Liza Hall. The finals of the G Zero Block B. Is are you guys in the B block yet? Um, yes, we were. Yeah. Quentin, did you have you seen this match yet? No, I was ju- I was just getting off work and, ru- and rushing back and rushing back home, so I didn't get a chance to watch this when I was on my way back today. Can't blame you. I am for the for spoiler alert or not even spoiler alert. Uh, what do you say? Just like a full disclosure. As we've been recording this podcast, I've been wearing a Liza Hall shirt the entire time. Um, and that's not, I didn't just put it on for the podcast, but I've been wearing it all day. Um, huge fan of both of you. And this match starts out with maybe my spot of the year. As you guys stand off, knee to knee, crouching, handshake. Like, that was such a cool way to open the match. Um, and I thought that that was just phenomenal and then from there the way that you like trade off throughout the match this so in the moment as i watched this live because i did watch this live at home and i i i got really bummed out because it felt like this was liza's coming out party for the whole tournament it felt like she should have won in my brain and i wanted her to win that was like the story that i was telling myself was that she was going to win um, because it was her coming out. But then I talked myself into it this morning. I was talking to Alicia, which who who is my wife. And Dan, I think, Dan, you met Alicia, I think. Um, and I was talking to her about it. And I was like, you know what? Liza made a name for herself. She presented herself really strongly throughout the tournament. She didn't have to win. And you want to still tell the story that the G0, this is only the second year of the G0, and I think you want the winners of the G0 to be people who are important in 3-2-1 Battle. And there's not a lot of people in in 3-2-1 Battle who are more important than Dan Makabe. So you want to, like, 
present the tournament as an important thing where important people win it. So Dan Makabe winning the tournament makes sense, you know, and you haven't won it yet. You still have to face Judas Icarus, who's also great, and he could definitely beat you still. But I talked myself into it where I'm like, it makes sense. But this match, and like I said, as a coming out party for Liza Hall, as someone who is a formidable wrestler, as someone who can grapple with the literally one of the best grapplers on the planet, she 100% proved herself here. And throughout the match, Dan, you really like gave her a lot while also continuing to never like give in on the character of the wrestling genius. This match was amazing. Daniel, you just had this match last night as we're talking now. I don't think you've had a chance to rewatch it yet. And I know that you don't like to watch things like super quickly afterwards, just because you don't like to watch your own matches in general, let alone so fast. But like, what did you think of this? Because I thought that, Again, we were talking about what could be your best matches of the year, all this and that. But, like, I think this could be in your conversation of one of your top five matches of the year, honestly. This was so good. Just, like, uh, so, thoughts. So, su- surprise, I have watched it. <laughs> uh, I watched it today, and, uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm really happy with it. This was something that I've I've really wanted to uh, have uh, at some point in 2019. She was also on my list of people that I wanted to work with this year, having never wrestled her, but having wrestled her sister uh, multiple times. Um, I think uh, the world of Liza Hall's abilities, and I think she's got a, a ton of upward momentum, um, and um, and the sky's the limit. She's super young, and she wants to to get better, and she really wants to get better at technical wrestling that is what she wants to be able to do and so we have both been itching for this match and the fact that we got to do it and it had um you know more stakes and it it was on a high profile setting you know a semi-main event on a the last three two one battle show of the year um you know rabid crowd and who love her and um and I was I was really happy with this and and it's one that I that I will not forget anytime soon uh, um, and would love to to rematch at some point down the line yeah this was this was uh, awesome really awesome and yeah. I mean, it might be recency bias because yes it was less than twenty four hours ago but <laughs> but um, but Quinn I I and not to like toot my own horn like this is definitely. Uh, borderline narcissistic this whole podcast i've just been talking about myself wrestling for four hours but um but i think you will enjoy this match and i, and I would recommend that you and everyone listening uh it's currently only up on the twitch replay it will eventually make its way to youtube I, I, who knows when but um but yeah i i think it's worth worth the watch for sure this this the struggle like the fight the struggle you know what I really loved was the rocking horse spot with the kicks. Like, and I don't know that I've seen Liza do that before, but that was such a great spot. The, yeah, there was so much in here that was so good. And I don't know, she calls it, I think they call it the pretzel, but she does like basically like a version of the twist ending from that Kane Justice does or did. I don't know if he still even does that because I haven't seen him in a while. But like the teasing of the, the pretzel, the, 
the way that you get the spot with basically like a variation on the lasso El Paso or the 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 El Paso lasso, the the Eddie Guerrero spot is super cool. And I don't know if you meant for that to be like the finish as a tease for that or what it was, but it would like it reminded me of that. It was <sighs> it was such a great match, like honestly. And and the post match was phenomenal. The this was so good, and it was exactly what I wanted. Like me and you have been talking about this match. Like I can just put that out there. At this point, everyone knows that we're friends. Whatever. Like me and you have been talking about this match for a long time, and this delivered exactly what I was hoping for in this match. So, congratulations, you did it. You had a great match that I predicted would be great, but you really did it, man. Like a great year. Dan McCabe, the wrestling genius. Like, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for anyone who's made it through this over four hours talking about 68 matches uh, of just some guy from uh, New Westminster, British Columbia, who's uh, is uh, I'm not religious, but I'm but I I definitely feel blessed, whatever that means, uh, to have had the, the opportunities and experiences that I've had in 2019, and uh, there's a lot on the table for 2020 already uh, that are just mind blowing, including you know carrot like like we talked about, um, and uh, and beyond, and some stuff that's been um, been announced so far, and some stuff that hasn't been that will um, will be pretty cool that people are going to be into. So I appreciate for everyone who's been listening, and and it's just along for the ride in general when it comes to. Uh, supporting me in this uh, pro wrestling uh, thing that's going on including you, so you including you guys obviously because you championed me harder than than almost anyone both of you guys so thank you so much quentin do you want to close out with anything oh my god and obviously like you know dan you you know we both think you deserve it like you know you're you're a very humble and gracious guy and like we say I, we, we we get it but no no man we since we first interacted with you saw you and everything you know is stuff that appeals to us and stuff that we like and stuff that you know maybe maybe even a few years ago in 2014 2015 if dan, if dan, if dan makabe had the same exposure and chances that he's getting that he's getting better he's getting like right now who knows where your career would have went but it's better it's better it's better late than never and i'm i'm just glad to see that 2019 even if you know, you're not the folk you're not the focus of your home promotion as you once were in three, two, one. Then now you're taking your act and brand worldwide. And for that I just for that I couldn't be happier. So thank you for being on. Uh we'll make sure to plug Daniel's Twitter in the description for this podcast. And thank you all for listening. 